2: This is the Opening Drive Podcast
0: on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
4: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a Meh Tuesday on 101 ESPN. It's the Opening Drive with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ. Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It's great to have you with us at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke, how you doing?
5: Why is it just meh? It should be, yeah, man, it it should just, be it good cuz it's it's May. Okay, we got, it's, we got it's April it's out of the way. Outside,
4: yeah. yeah. So it's a new month,
6: well,
2: so
4: it's a new Cardinals.
5: Exactly. Okay. Okay. It's a new I Cardinals.
4: I uh, I sent you guys I, I have a good friend by the name of uh, of Jay Hanks who lives in Chicago. He's a Cardinal fan. He's from here, but okay. uh, he's he sent me a text uh, a little graphic. Yes, it said MLB scores. <laughs> final today. Off day 7. <laughs> Cardinals 3.
7: <laughs> <laughs> Even Aww. on
4: the off day, they can't get a win. Huh? I uh, 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 kind of uh,
6: took the L. Took the L. Well, maybe that's the first L of the of the series. So now they can win. actually win
4: the p- first. Win. One. There we go. Yeah. We, we can get one today. Is the magic number nine. Today's the number. Yes. Today nine. Yes. Today. I didn't put that if in the don't. machine, but we've got it somewhere.
5: Please don't let it be ten. Please Please it would be don't ten. Be 10 they
4: they, they have ten on ahead. the interwebs. If if the if the count wants to do ten, we can get to ten. I don't know if he has eleven. I would think <laughs> that we have eleven too. The count is pretty good about that kind of stuff. Yeah, tonight it's going to be Patrick Sandoval. Let's just go with Pablo, though. Uh, let's just go with Panda pitching Panda. against Stephen Matz tonight. Stephen Matz with uh, what we call in the business an unsightly earned run average of 6.23. <laughs> I like that Thank word. You. I like
2: Thank that word. <laughs> well used. Well played, Randy. Unsightly. You
4: don't, you don't really want to see this. No, you don't. Know. <laughs> and you can't unsee it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Favorite one of mine. The number of the day is nine.
4: Nine. Yeah. nine. It's not a great number to have. This started nine. with the blue season. It's continued into uh, what has become a horrific start to the Cardinal season.
5: I just want to know what happened to St. Louis, where you have what happened with the Blues, and it just feels like okay, we got we got some Cardinals baseball to look forward to. It Just feels like that bad energy just scares. Who could we blame
4: over? the curse on? Who's a recent? Uh, Like, Mike Schultz wouldn't do that to us, would he? He's a God-fearing man. He wouldn't curse St. Louis because of philosophical differences. Would would he? Mm. I don't know if cursed is
6: the word that I would use. Just, um, you know, I... Oh, no,
2: we suck again! So the curse (laughs) curse would have
8: had to happen after the Cardinals made the playoffs, but before the Blue season really went bad? So, like, Mm. it would have to be mid-October?
4: I don't know. What do you so who would have?
7: Cursed St.
8: Louis around October sixth or seventh. That's the date yeah, I'm looking for. What
4: happened to that? Very intriguing. Yeah, we're going to have to look closely at that. I, I very.
5: It's some investigative journalism.
4: But you know what? St. Louis City SC got off to their great start. The Battlehawks had a good year, so we can't blame we it can't all. Bl- on okay. A okay, okay. We, we can't say the St. Louis area is closed. Curse, just maybe our veteran teams.
6: Yeah, I was going to say maybe your your four major, mm-hmm. you two of the four majors. You got yeah. two of them here, and those aren't.
4: Doing great. Yeah, 6.45 tonight for the pregame, uh, or for the action, actually, at the ballpark. The pregame on Valley, I guess, is at 6, and I'm assuming that our friend Alexa Dat will be there for the pregame, and then... Chip Carey will have the call with our buddy Brad Thompson, who actually was in here yesterday for the fast lane. Oh, he's good to have BT on the station. BT is my
6: guy, man. I, I absolutely love BT. He is hilarious. Yes. Like, it, it's, it's just natural. He's honest. He's self deprecating. He doesn't, you know, he's just who he is. And, and you, how can you not love uh, uh, Brad
4: Thompson? No, and he's got, when he do, he's doing the broadcast, he's got a little sunshine lollipop. <laughs> but to his credit, he was that way. As, he's always been that way. He's always been an optimistic guy in every aspect. Well, pretty much every aspect of life. One time he was having an outdoor kitchen installed and he was not that optimistic. But otherwise. <laughs> How did that story oh, go? Was it not great? It took more than a year.
8: <laughs>
4: oh, <laughs> he, oh, wow. He was hot. Did he lose it? Did yeah, he black outrage well, He's got the black outrage thing going, too. I can yeah. it. Yeah. But otherwise, no, he's a generally optimistic sort. Uh, the NHL playoffs last night, the New, Jer- New York Rangers eliminated sending those number one picks for Vladimir Tarasenko and Patrick Kane didn't work out. They lost in the first round to the Devils 4-0. Congratulations to the Devils. As a matter of fact, not only did the Devils win last night, but the Devil won last night as the Denver Nuggets advance, or, uh, took game <laughs> no. two against the Suns 97-87. Really? So the Devils win and the Devil wins that's hard Matthew is very happy about he is the double he is I mean um, he
6: was lit up like a Christmas tree when he saw that the and and, and on top of that Chris Paul got injured surprise oh, surprise yeah. shocker shocker playoff time yep. the only thing that shocks me is it didn't may happen in the Western conference
8: Finals listen I I know that the MVP is a regular season award but I'm just saying some some arguments are being made last night for, huh? Well, one team can win without well, their player. The other team certainly can. Most valuable uh, seems uh, like it's pretty stark. Care, you know what I'm saying? Uh, seems to me as just if, uh,
4: one guy is saying he doesn't even care about it. So why are you bothering? <laughs> oh, because I'm a pot stir. Oh, okay. I'm my carry. You like to poke bears. I like to stir pots. Yeah, there you thought. go. Mm. I can respect
6: that.
8: All right, and I want my boy are. to get his third MVP. <laughs> I don't think he's gonna. And happen. then get traded. Oh, please, well, dear God, get traded. We
6: will see what the uh, old nuggets do in the.
4: Yeah, as they go back to Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. Phoenix has to four out of five.
9: Well, without getting into all the details of it, I mean, dealing with people with lower incomes wasn't something I particularly looked forward to, frankly.
8: Oh, that's, that's Rock's Uncle Stan.
9: In his own words. <laughs> Maybe not in the order that he said them, but in his own words. Well, I told everyone in the room today that I have not been able to understand the emotion since 2002.
5: <laughs> that sounds real. That's a, I think that sounds 100%. real. The it, cadence it sounds, is uh, like I, how a human it, talks. Yeah. yeah,
9: it sounds real. I oftentimes get stopped in Los Angeles and they'll go, are you that guy? you, <laughs> cold go back into St.
6: Louis.
9: (laughs) Oh my. Uh, Uncle Stan, huh? Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah, Matthew's uncle. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. One
9: of his
6: favorite people in the world. So yeah, so his
4: Nuggets did beat the Suns 97 87, and Jokic had a big game for them. And yeah, Jokic is the the two time MVP. How many? You know what? that and f- your f-ing company. <laughs> there you go, Stan. Stan. <laughs> Mr. character language. <laughs> well, <laughs> I I was hot that day Clearly (laughs) 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 Clearly Really hot You were
5: Like BT with his outdoor kitchen
7: Exactly Yeah
4: Yeah Uh, Jason Tatum had a great night last night In a losing cause Uh, Tatum 39 points 11 assists Or 11 boards 5 assists But James Harden was even better At 45 points Tied a career high in the playoffs And the Sixers Outlasted the Celtics 119-115 In game one of their series so, uh, a nice job by Tatum, but even without Joel Embiid, the Celtics couldn't find a way to stop James Harden, and one of the things that they didn't try in the second half was doubling him.
6: Yeah, I mean, that generally helps if a guy is on fire. Yeah. You might want to try that. Yeah. You should try that, actually.
4: Yeah. Not not very impressive. Yeah. Uh, in, in terms of Joe Mazzola, the, the head coach of the Celtics, but uh, they'll have... Uh, They'll be fine. And if Embiid comes back, then this uh, Philadelphia, the process, which ended a long time ago, it might actually work out.
6: The, The concerning part for me is you lose at home. To a team without their MVP candidate. Yeah. You can't do that. And and Randy, we talk a lot. So I sent you, I don't know if you all saw the, the uh text message I sent you about the, the Boston. There was a guy from Florida oh, yeah, yeah. listening to the Boston it was uh, how great. fired up they were. You think they were fired up after losing game seven. You lose game one of the NBA playoffs without the MVP candidate. I know Boston is is about to just implode Explode. today.
4: Yeah. <laughs> just internally. It's great. People are weren't losing their minds, right? Yeah, we should actually get some, see if, see if we can get a <laughs> caller or two from, uh, I think it's 98-5, the sports hub, is that right? That, yes. The sports hub in Boston. I would Boston. love to hear yeah. how frustrated, I mean, misery well, loves company, well, Randy. In, the, in 24 <laughs> hours, yeah, 24 hours, you lose game seven to the Panthers, right? At, yeah. the, at the arena, TD yep. Garden, and they, then 24 hours later, you lose game one uh, in the second round of Philly. Without the MVP. Yeah. The, the favorite MVP,
6: Yeah. 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 I would love to hear how as I said a misery. I, I'm if I'm miserable,
4: Randy. Why should
6: anybody else? Be it happy?
4: couldn't happen to a better group of fans. <laughs> Brooke, you remember I wasn't there, but you remember uh, for the Blues Game Seven, mm-hmm. actually for the the Stanley Cup, they had a billboard actually up that said like 109 days since the last Boston World Championship or something like that because the the Patriots had won. Yeah. Well, now if I'm not mistaken, the last time they won a championship was the Super Bowl 2018 season 2000. 19 Super Bowl. That's the last time Boston has won a championship. And what goes around comes around. They might go 100 years without winning another championship. I just them.
5: remember being in Boston and wearing blue at that time was not not good. Not is safe. all I can say <laughs> uh, for that for that for that mm-hmm. final. They did not like anybody wearing blue.
8: Randy, you just gave me this this mental image of this that that torpy little 12 year old who had that sign that was like I'm 12 years old and we've won like 11 championships. Yeah. Him being like 85 with that exact same sign. Yeah.
4: That would make me happy. Yeah, me too. It's uh, hey, it's uh, they were just. Here's you like how insufferable. making kids miserable? Well, Is that no, what you're I like saying? making adults oh, okay. in the future miserable <laughs> about how twerpy they were as children. And they don't remember how much they won there. They they had no appreciation for what they were living from 2001 when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl and then you win the World Series in 2004, 2007, 2013, 2018. You win six Super Bowls. You win an NBA championship. You win a Stanley Cup. You you get everything, but there's no appreciation for it. And now they're saying, oh, we're the most unlucky fan base, the most heartbroken fan base in all sports. Come on, give me a break, Boston. (laughs) Give me a break. Uh, And Uh what is am am i being mean here no it's these people have enough championships they've they've got their quota as it were uh and there was a one other thing that we need to find out and i think we need to use the text line here especially if you're from ireland why is it with the kentucky derby coming up this is timely and salient why is it in ireland that horses run Counterclockwise. Yeah, here. they, run, counter- they clockwise run clockwise here. No, they run counterclockwise here. They run counterclockwise Why is it that they run opposite of America? in Ireland, like in the Irish Derby. Why is it that horses run the opposite direction, which indeed is clockwise? You know, we don't look at clocks much anymore, so we're all sitting here with our fingers trying to to figure out what clockwise is.
6: It's a a rough life we have now, Randy. There's no... uh, No rotary phones, no analog clocks. I I told you, I saw a a tweet a couple of weeks ago where it said, if you put a kid in a room, gave them a number on a piece of paper, gave them a, a a rotary clock, a rotary phone and an analog clock and told them to call this number at this time how <laughs> long make would it. they be in that <laughs> room yeah. it
8: never happen it would never happen they would make it it's
5: kind of like how you see it if you ask kids now like yeah. okay call somebody use like a hand gesture yeah. to do it they don't do like what we do what I just did the, uh, the you guys fingers, can't see the, the two, two fingers finger the like a old traditional like yeah. landline phone they do like a cell phone yeah. like they do like flat <laughs> flat <laughs> hand and I'm like what <laughs> you <laughs> haven't even experienced the highs and lows of like uh, being on the landline, you know, waiting for some, that. Waiting, somebody interrupts man, your parents, interrupt
6: you, up, yeah. yeah, yeah, or somebody you can't get a call because somebody's on the phone, you don't have two way, yeah, back a in my waiting. day, yeah, it was tough
4: times, okay. Uh, here's one it's probably because they all just left the pub, uh, which they do, they have a tendency to do that in Ireland. Uh, duh! They also drive on the wrong side of the road. Point well taken. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. No,
5: yeah, maybe that has something to do with okay. it.
4: Yeah. So, so maybe, maybe we're, we're wrong. wrong. Maybe we're the eyeballs. That very well could be. Yeah. We're off and running here on 101 <laughs> ESPN. Coming up, the Cardinals are kind of scuffling. Uh, they do have uh, only the second worst record in the National League. Could be worse. Why are they so bad? That's next on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
0: Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
4: All right, kids, the Cardinals enter action today. Well, they enter play today. I'm not going to give them the credit of action quite yet, but they'll, they enter play against the Angels today with a record of 10-19, and 19, which is in last place in uh, their division. They are two games behind Cincinnati. They're 10 games behind the front-running Pirates in the division, and only Colorado has a worse record in the National League than your St. Louis Cardinals. And guys, I talk a lot about the Cardinals' lack of quality fundamental play one of the things that we've talked about is their lack of aggressiveness. I think one of, their, one of the interesting stats here, there's a stat called percentage of extra bases taken, which is it boils down to aggressiveness. What it is, is players that advanced more than one base on a single, like going first to third, or more than two bases on a double, like going from first to home on a double. In these types of plays, runner going first to third, Arizona is in first in Major League Baseball. They've done it 58% of the time. They they go from first to third or first to home on a double. Houston's done it 51% of the time. The Dodgers, the, the Orioles do it 50% of the time. They're aggressive. They, they go for it. The Cardinals are 25th in percentage of extra bases taken in Major League Baseball at 38%. They don't push the envelope. Even with the athleticism that they ostensibly possess with guys like tommy edmund brendan donovan uh getting back to the boston thing uh, dylan carlson they just are not very aggressive so that's one of the issues that they have out on the bases so this is outs made when you're already on base and you get thrown out at second third or home the cardinals are tied for tops in all of baseball with runners lost on the bases with 11. The Reds, Guardians, and Phillies also have 11 runners lost on the bases with the Cardinals. You just can't lose that many guys. Uh, runners uh, lost with uh, at, at second base. The Cardinals are second. They're also second with uh, runners lost at home plate. They've lost four runners at home plate this year. And here's the biggest one to me. This is interesting. The percentage of time a runner scores when he's on base. The Cardinals, when they get a runner on base, that runner scores 27% of the time. The only teams with lower percentages of runners that score once they reach base are Oakland, maybe the worst team ever, Detroit, and Miami. The only teams that have a lower percentage of runners scoring once they reach base are Oakland, Detroit, and Miami. So if you want the answer, it's that the Cardinals... The, when they get on base, they aren't aggressive, and then when they're, they get on base, they can't get the runner home. By the way, they aren't horrible. They're 11th in baseball with runners in scoring position, but either they aren't athletic enough, which I don't believe, or they aren't aggressive enough, which I do believe. Yeah,
5: yeah well, and and that's the thing, too. You, pro, you pointed out some of those names. We know, we've seen, if we're talking about... Give it, guys giving 100%, we have seen many times where those guys have the capability to do so. Even Paul Goldschmidt, a guy that you wouldn't exactly say is the fastest, we've seen him do that as well. And what I don't understand is with the rule changes, it encourages that you should be stealing bases. If other teams got the set of rules as well, you know, you get that little packet that lays it all out. Everybody's (laughs) fully aware. Did the Cardinals just not get that packet of notes or it just doesn't seem like it because we know they have the capability to do so. And it's something that they've been good at in the past and it's just gone this season. I don't know how you drop off so quickly from that, especially
4: with just some of the fundamentals. In April There were more attempted stolen bases in Major League Baseball than in any April since 1998. And the Cardinals didn't follow along. And, Brooke, you might remember this. When Mo had his end-of-season press conference last year, I asked him, in terms of building the the roster, how are you going to look at the rules changes? And he said... I don't think that the rule changes are going to change that much. Well, clearly, everybody else thought so because they're trying to steal bases and they're being aggressive, but the Cardinals just haven't jumped in that boat yet. That was the one thing that, you know, before the
6: season started, I, I wanted to know if they were going to be station to station, like first base, second base, or were they actually going to use their athleticism, their speed? We've seen Tyler O'Neill. I don't know if maybe you have that incident, you know, at the beginning of the season where he's thrown out and now people are maybe becoming gun-shy and don't want to you know, go around the bases as, as as fast as they can, or as fast as they should be, or or take those outs, or maybe it's the analytics as you talked about, Randy. You only get twenty seven outs, and you can't waste them and and get thrown out at second base or get thrown out at third base. It's just a change of philosophy, and and for me. Sports are are organic. It's natural. Things happen and take place where you don't you don't have to think about it. If you're thinking so much, you're you're probably not at your best. We call it paralysis by analysis when you're just out there thinking about all of the things instead of reacting, responding when something comes up. You're not going to have as great a success. So maybe they, that's their issue right now. And as I said, that play at the plate early in the season could have set the
4: tone for, for how they are on the base path. By the way, we don't want to completely absolve the starting pitching or the bullpen here because neither oh, have no. been particularly great. No. And the Cardinals traditionally have been an excellent defensive team. This year, they're 11th in run saved. Usually over the last few years, the Cardinals have been top three in defensive run saves. This year, they're 11th. So their defense isn't helping them out either. And like a play like Sunday, with Donovan's dropped pop-up which doesn't get counted as an error, but clearly is an error. There's a lot of those plays that aren't being made. And this happened a few years ago before Mike Schultz took over, too, where it wasn't an error as called by the official score, but it did give the other team an extra out. And I think the Cardinals are, I see the Cardinals doing a lot of that.
5: Well, I think if you're aggressive on the bases, then you're going to be more aggressive in the game in general. That sounds really simple, right? But at the same time, doesn't it just feel like this team kind of lacks that aggressiveness that we are used to from them? Mm-hmm. It just seems like they aren't as confident, and it just seems like they're just out of... I don't even know, because the thing is, is you 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 keep talking about identity with this group, and that's something that we've been trying to figure out. It just seems that they're lacking that, and typically... I, from the past, it's they're aggressive in so many different areas of the game on everything that you just just touched on. Typically, defense, hitting. I mean, base running, and they're lacking in all of those key categories. So, what is the elite thing that's going to propel them forward and get some wins, more than one win?
6: I, I think that's a very good question. What do they do well? Uh, you start there. Whatever they do well, you know, you need to go after that and do that more often. And right now, I don't know if we can pinpoint one specific thing that they're doing well collectively. We've talked about it. They've struggled when the pitching has struggled, the hitting has done well, but when the hitting has done well, the pitching has struggled. You get into the bullpen, you blow saves, you have errors and you don't, and you allow runners on and you get your, your pitcher who has quality starts uh, out of the game because he's unable to stay in because we're not taking care of our business on the field. Uh, it's just a, a a multitude of things every single day that are coming together. And in order to be successful, you have to eliminate those mistakes and play at your
4: best every single day. Tell me this You used to play for a coordinator who had a great phrase. Now, this was football, it's different, but the phrase was no risk it, no biscuit. Yep. It seems to me that <laughs> with where the Cardinals are, I mean, you're almost in last place. Yeah. No risk it, no biscuit. Why not be aggressive? Why not go for it a little bit and try to make something happen? You got to do something different. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing the same thing
6: over and over again, you're going to get the same results. And so, at some point, somebody it, it it starts in that in that clubhouse. Though it starts with the players that are that are in that room and deciding collectively. Hey, man, this stinks. Like being honest, you you have to start with being honest. Like if they're walking around there, oh, we're good. Yeah, we haven't won an opening game and and yet this 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 season, but we're good. Don't worry about it. No, that's not honest. Hey, this stinks. Fellas, mm-hmm. let's play our best game tonight. Let's try to win the first game of a series. And let's see if we can actually win a series or sweep a series, which oh, we oh, haven't that means done have yet. you have to win the first game. You have to win the first game. So if you're not having those honest conversations in that locker room, in that clubhouse, you're not going to have
4: success at all this season. And in 1985, when the Cardinals did steal the 314 bases, they brought up Vince Coleman and they let him play. And he had a little bit of a lull. He didn't uh, – he stole 110 bases, but he had a lull mm. in May where, you know, he he didn't hit as well as he hit throughout the course of the season. But Whitey Herzog and the Cardinals let him work through the mm. natural lulls that are going to happen for a young player. I really do appreciate the franchises that do understand that young players are going to struggle at times and give them the opportunity to work through those struggles.
5: Well, and we played the sound from Gersh last week, and they said that they were going to stick through Walker with that. They they said Mm -hmm. that even if he goes through a little bit of a slump, and he said specifically May... That they were going to keep him up here, and right now the outfield is just a giant glaring issue for the Cardinals too. Mm-hmm. If we're talking, we're talking about defense. We're talking about starting pitching. You also have to talk about the outfield underperforming as well, and that needs to shape out here. I said it last week. Walker was not the issue here. It's figuring out these other guys and who's just going to run away with those jobs because right now there's a lot of just decisions out there that it, it's not making much sense offensively and. It seems like these guys are not connected. I mean, even some of the defensive issues is not like what we've typically seen from this mm-hmm. outfield. I mean, typically you have guys that where you're like, OK, maybe the offense isn't great, but this is a gold glove defense yeah. out there. Now, I, you're not even saying that. No, so that's, yeah. that's what's so confusing about all this. And going back to the aggressiveness as well, there's some moves aggressively as well that still don't make sense to me. I'm going to bring up the same. I brought it up yesterday. Taylor Motter here. You didn't even use him. This past weekend, why is he here? That's a decision to me. Where if you're going to be aggressive, why not bring Juan up, Yepes up here, who at least gives you a chance off the bench? That's an aggressive move. So there's even like other moves that are not being made that I feel like would make mm-hmm. this team more aggressive or show that you are being more aggressive with your approach to games and actually looking at getting a win and getting things back on track.
4: Yeah, it, it's. It's ugly right now as the Cardinals start a homestead tonight against the Angels. Then the Tigers come to town and, well, the Tigers, all those statistics we gave, the Tigers are generally worse than the Cardinals.
6: <laughs> so that means we should be, we should come out of this, uh, oh, I'm not even going to say it. We should do
4: okay mm-hmm. this series yeah. and the next. Well, yeah, the Cardinals winning percentage right I, I now. I catch let, myself, Rob. Yep, let me check it here. The Cardinal winning percentage right now is uh, 345. Oh, man. Okay, so I'm uh, not great. No, I was going to say two and four, but that would be 333.
5: <laughs> well, don't you feel better with Steve and Matt's going out there yeah. today? Oh, no,
4: uh,
5: mm-hmm. and three, six, two, three, six, 6, 6 point 6, two, three. 6,
8: 6. 2, 3 no, no, I don't. Not great. Uh, and they're and five in his starts. No, <laughs> nah. he's and
4: three. They're five in his starts. Not yeah. great. Welcome to Misery, everybody. Uh, coming up, we've got our bird watch here on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
2: Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN
0: presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: We are flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the Opening Drive.
4: You know what we need to do on a beautiful morning in St. Louis I need to do a little bird watching.
9: Can we just take a
8: moment to remember yesterday when Carrie actually did some bird watching during this segment? Mm-hmm. Oh,
4: yeah. yeah. yeah.
6: There was a
8: bird just perched
6: right there. I Randy looked at me like, what, what the, the heck are you pointing yeah, at? I'm nice. like, it's a bird. came in to listen to the bird watch section. Yeah, what I thought segment? somebody
4: was putting a, a skimmer on the ATM <laughs> machine right there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that has Again. happened. I
6: will say that this is a parking lot where you know, curves don't really matter to people. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> that was optional.
7: <laughs>
4: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, we, we've got a little bird singing for Brooke. What do you got, Brooke?
5: Well, my bird watch is going to be Nolan Arnado. Guys, you need your superstars to perform like superstars. And, the thing is, is it's hard to hate on Nolan Arnato because of who he is. We we know that he's so talented, especially defensively, but something's off with him offensively. We talked about it yesterday, but if you look at the month of April for Arnato which luckily it's May, so hopefully this will be new, but in the month of April, Arnato just completed the worst opening month of his career offensively. He set at new career lows in his opening month when it comes to batting average 239, just two homers, just three doubles. His OPS is sitting at 600. I mentioned this yesterday, but if his his OPS is at 600, and that continues. There's no way that you can say that this team is going to string together a lot of wins because a lot of the Cardinals' success hinges on Nolan Arnato and Paul Goldschmidt being superstars. But here's the thing. Arnato actually will speak on this, and he, ta- he talked to the post-dispatch, and he said, It's hard to speak on what we need to do when I feel like I'm not playing my part the way I should. A lot of that falls on me. I've just been poor and I've been really poor thus far. I think it's just a mixture of things. Like when things are going bad, every little mistake we make, it haunts us. And we're playing not to make a mistake instead of playing freely, which is kind of what we've been assessing, Mm -hmm. right? They don't look as confident right now. Even Nolan Arenado doesn't look as confident right now. And that energy just seems to just be picked up by the entire team right now. They don't look like they're having fun, I guess is the best way to put it. Or as Arenado said, doesn't seem like they're playing as freely.
6: You, you're not having fun when you're losing in the manner in which they're losing. I, I can attest to that wholeheartedly. It's not fun to come to work. It's not fun to get up every day and, and you know, do the work that is required because it, it's it's hard when you're losing those games. And, and to your point, Brooke, you have to be, if you're the superstar or a superstar of a team, that's your job. You got to be the superstar. We got guys that are going to make timely plays and make timely hits. But when you are the star of stars, you have to play at that level. Otherwise, you're not the star or you're not a star. That's just the expectation. It, it, it's what comes mm-hmm. with being at that level. And until he is able to hit, whether it's because he's injured or it's a, a mental issue that he's you know, struggling through it and, and not able to just focus in, every single at-bat, they're going to be a bad team until... Those guys, and I will say those guys is Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, and Wilson Contreras. Those are the guys that are getting paid the most, and those are the guys that have to be play have to play the best.
5: Well, and even going into the season, those were the only kind of secure spots in the lineup yep. that Ali Marmal said like it's going to be Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, and Wilson Contreras. He has moved things around a little bit, kind of putting Gorman in between Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. But even during that ten game road trip, Nolan Arenado went four for thirty three at the plate. He yeah. just can't he and he didn't look comfortable at the yeah. plate as well. So hopefully it's not an injury, but it seems like when Arnato does have these slumps, they're pretty big slumps. It takes him yeah. a little bit to get out of it. I don't have an answer with what you do with him because I would say it's Arnato You just let him play through it.
6: I hope it is an injury, and I say that meaning if it is an injury, we have an answer for why it's it's not going so well. If it's not an injury and it's just upstairs, then I, he's the only one that can get mm-hmm. him out of that. If if the the worst part about being an athlete is losing confidence or not having success. I told you, Randy, when I was in college, there was a play that was uh, uh, specifically for the fullback, and it, it was uh, he was the first read. We're gonna throw it to you every single time if you're open. If you're not, we're gonna throw it elsewhere. But Every time I drop the pass and Kirk Kidner had a, a streak of no interceptions and I get in, <laughs> run this route, ball tips off my hand. What do you think happens? Interception. Kirk yep. Kidner throws his first interception <laughs> in his career because I drop a pass and Kurt and coach. Uh, Turner came in and said, if we have this play called and Kerry Davis is in the game, call a timeout. I don't care where we are. I don't care how many timeouts we got. Do not throw him because I had lost confidence. Mm-hmm. And the only way for me to get that confidence back <laughs> was to work my way through it. And eventually I did. But when you are a, a an athlete and you're struggling with your confidence, that is harder than dealing with an injury because you Only you can get you out of it. And if that's where Arenado is right now, he's going to have to work his way through that.
4: There's an old uh, Tommy Lasorda story. Pedro Guerrero was a bad defensive third baseman, and Tommy Lasorda's having a— and Steve Sachs was having yips throwing the ball to -hmm. first base. And Tommy's got a a meeting going on. He's saying, Pete, what are you thinking when you're over there at third base? He says, well, the the second thing I hit is don't hit the ball to me. the second thing? Yeah. He said, what's the first thing? He said, well, the first thing I think is don't hit the ball to sacks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a bad infield there.
8: Like,
6: oh, hey, they're struggling. Yeah, that's that's yeah. tough. Yeah. <laughs> For me, my bird watch is Steven Matz. Right now he sits at 0-3, a 6.23 ERA. Um, hasn't been great since he got here as a Cardinal. He, he's struggling and and the thing that I want to see from him, he has zero quality starts this season. He had two last season out of fifteen, out of ten starts. I need to see more productive. He's given up 32 hits. I would prefer that Steven Matz, I get the spring training Steven Matz, the guy that kept the ball down in the zone, the guy that worked extremely fast, and it seemed like the pitch clock was was to his benefit because he was going Mm -hmm. so fast and hitters were not prepared. To me, this seems like a more slowed down, deliberate, more thinking Steven Matz. And we just talked about Nolan Arenado with the thinking process. If you get in your head, once you start struggling, It can spiral downhill, and I promise you, there is not a – maybe a a team psychologist, but for the most part, it's you that have to get you out of that. So right now, 0-3. Zero quality starts, obviously, and has not performed particularly well. Rock said it last last segment. They have lost every game that he started of the five Mm -hmm. that he's played in. And so you have to figure out a way. Being the guy that goes out there to take the ball, the first pitch of the game tonight, how are you going to perform your best? And this is despite all of the things that can go on behind you, we have seen – untimely errors. We have seen misplaced balls, uh, uh, misplayed balls, and we've seen a lot of things take place. This team and Steven Matz tonight has to take the bump and understand this is my ball. I'm going to give you seven, and I'm going to hopefully have sound defense behind me, but I'm going to keep the ball low in the zone, work fast, and get batters out. Good approach. I like it.
5: Yeah. I whew, I mean, if I the thing is, if we were talking about aggressive moves earlier, honestly... At this point, if he has another bad outing, I would move into the bullpen. And yes, that's an, a very expensive reliever, but they've shown that they will do that before. I would like to see Matthew Libitor, personally. If he's still doing really well in the minors for you, why not? I, aggressive moves. Whatever gets this team to win. You will have Adam Wainwright back by Friday, mm-hmm. so that will move some things around. But you can't have another bad outing by Steven Matz, and that just continue.
4: Well, what's it going to do?
5: Another (laughs) loss. (laughs) (laughs) It put you last in the NL. (laughs) Completely far away.
4: Hey, guys, one of the things that we don't touch on a lot is that last year, the Cardinals against a bad Pittsburgh team and a bad Chicago team and a bad Cincinnati team, they went 38 and 19 against those teams. Now, Chicago and Pittsburgh aren't as bad, but the big thing is you've lost a dozen games against them. You played 19 against them last year. With the new schedule this year, you only have 14 against your division opponents. That was eight free wins mm-hmm. that the Cardinals got when they won 93 last year. Those wins just aren't there now. So you're still going to play some bad teams. You're still going to have, so because you get to play everybody in baseball, you get to see the A's. But the fact of the matter was, before, the Cardinals were able to count on free wins against the Reds, Cubs, and Pirates that just aren't there anymore. It's going to be extraordinarily difficult and surprising if the Cardinals can even get to 81 and 81 this year. Because of the schedule and the way it's set up,
5: where's your sunshine and lollipops, no Randy? No sunshine and lollipops for this me.
4: This
3: is bad. This is very, very <laughs> bad.
4: Yeah.
5: The problem is, is, they
8: knew that. Like they knew the schedule was changing. They knew how it was going to go. Even even with getting the AL Central as the majority of kind of like the new games mm-hmm. that are coming in and them not being a very great division, you knew it was going to be a harder schedule.
6: So why weren't you more prepared for that? I, I thought they were prepared. I thought the team that they put on the field well, opening day was going to be the team that, that would lead them to have success in the NL Central and, and yep. in, in Major League Baseball. Total. Uh, I did, too.
4: And, and think about this, and, and th- I'm completely serious here. Think about how good they would be if they had just spent money on starting pitching and gotten Verlander and gotten Quintana and gotten Rodon and gotten uh, <laughs> Jacob DeGrom. If they would have gotten those four, just think of how much better. I don't know
6: that there's enough money uh,
4: to go around. First, huh? Uh, how many how
6: many games have those guys played collectively?
4: uh Five, <laughs> all by Degrom, <laughs> who's on the IL right now with a uh, an inflamed forearm. forearm. That's probably Quintana headed towards Tommy would John. Would not be
6: hurt if he were here. I'm going to stick to that. He would be healthy. He,
7: he
2: was hurt be... before spring training started. <laughs> he would have been healthy if he were here. I I, I just believe
6: that he would have been healthy. That's my. I, that's the only one I'll, I'll take. Okay. okay. Forty three million for uh, Verlander. I don't know. Yeah, forty three million for this year. That's Although he lot. did have a
4: rehab started. Yeah. Either had one today or has one today money. or had one yesterday. Yeah, it's a few bucks.
6: Yeah. Not my money though. So <laughs> yeah, right. You would so, have, have signed all four. Should have signed all four. <laughs>
4: That's your bird watch. Coming up, we've got to Take It or Leave It. You get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399.
2: Yo
4: ho. only next on 101 ESPN.
2: You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN,
0: presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out
1: there. Can, you can take it. If
2: you don't, set it right back. Get your text in into 314 399 9646 and give us your
0: Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's
2: my final offer. Take it or leave it. <laughs> Get
4: your text in now, 314 399 9646 314 399 For Take It or Leave It, Brooke, Carey, Randy, and Matthew. And tonight here on 101 ESPN. We don't have the game? We don't we should have the uh, the second game. Do we have the we don't have the nightcap tonight? We've got game two on the fourth. But tonight at 9 o'clock on TNT, you've got the Lakers and Carey's Golden State Warriors. Indeed. The Golden State Warriors feature play Thompson at guard. The Los Angeles Lakers feature his dad Michael Thompson as their analyst. Take it or leave it, Michael Thompson roots against his son in this series. Ah, uh, uh, I'm going
6: to uh, I'll I'll take it, but he's going to be happy either way. I think he's going to be happy. His son has won four championships. It's not <laughs> like he's right, yeah. suffering here. I think Michael's got a few under his <laughs> belt, a, too. The whole family's got, got rings upon rings. I, I'll take it. He's going to do his job and, and not be a, uh, you know, he's going to root for the Lakers. Be, mm-hmm. That's who's paying them. But deep inside, when his son hits a three or hits a big shot, mm-hmm. he's going to. A little fish uh, pump under the table. <laughs> good shot. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't expect the Lakers to do much this year. I'm going to stay in L.A. and go with uh, our, our good friend Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg has been talking about joining Nico Sparks to, to uh, have a bid to buy the Ottawa Senators. Take it or leave it, you would not expect Snoop to partner with anyone other than someone named Sparks. I'll take that oh. 100%. i yeah.
5: will take that too. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Snoop is a really good businessman.
4: He is. He's Snoop, fantastic. He's you couldn't
6: have told me 30 years ago that this skinny rapper from Long Beach would be doing videos with Martha Stewart and <laughs> having bids to buy a hockey team. Yeah. You, you you wouldn't have been able to do it. I,
5: you remember? Did he like? He was in the booth for some L.A. Kings games, and mm-hmm. was that?
6: Yeah. Play that yeah Snoop yeah, yeah. is hilarious. Yeah. He he's is. Funny. He is just, every, and, and no one dislikes Snoop. He's like one of those people mm-hmm. that everyone loves.
4: It's pretty hard to do. Yeah, and he's he has a lot. He like you said, a, a rapper from Long Beach who's totally mainstream now. Yeah. Everybody knows who he is and everyone. everybody likes him. Yep. Yes. Pretty cool.
5: Take it or leave it. Juan Yepes will be up here in St. Louis, if not today, by at least the end of the week. I'll take
4: that. Yeah, he'll be sitting on the bench by the end of the week. <sighs> I'm going to leave it. You're going to
5: leave it? Yep. No Yepes?
6: I, it's not his fault. I don't think he did anything wrong. Where no. is he going to play?
5: He's going to be on the bench, and he's going to give you yeah. a nice little pop off the bench.
4: And mm-hmm. and and then he's just going to sit there? He can pinch it for Dylan Carlson when Dylan Carlson's. Playing when, Di- oh, when, D-
6: when Dylan Carlson start?
4: Oh, when is oh he- no, he can't because Carlson's <laughs> right-handed.
6: When he's gonna st- start? Who?
4: Okay, who's uh, who's he gonna pinch hit for?
6: <laughs> Where is he gonna play? You know, ready to I don't know. I'm just I'm just here so I don't
4: get fined. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the text slide is open. Matthew, what do you got for us?
8: Take it or leave it. Fundamental baseball is losing baseball. Apparently with the Cardinals now, mm, and
4: baseball like it ought to be
6: lack
8: of fundamentals.
4: Yeah, yeah, losing runners on the bases is generally something that's going to lead to you to defeat.
8: Take it or leave it. The morning drive needs to change the segment
4: from birdwatch to bird droppings. The morning drive. What's that? <laughs> What's that? Yeah, What's the, the what, opening drive? Yeah. Excuse
7: me.
8: Oh, I, the yeah. drive. I just read that. I think
4: morning drive used to be on Golf Channel. i burgundied a
8: little bit there. Uh, Taylor Lee with the opening drive changes the segment from the bird watch to the bird droppings. I don't, I, believe
7: I, that.
6: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. it's kind of is <laughs> it Mm. Bird droppings is actually the the PC way to say it, because I'm sure the texter
4: wanted to call it something else. But they are (laughs) going to win a game now and then. And so on those mornings, we need to make it be a bird watch, because not everything is going to be bird. Bird
6: watching is mundane and slow paced. And Mm -hmm. it's for, you know, some people who enjoy it. Not everyone enjoys watching birds. That's
4: true.
5: (laughs)
8: We have some sunshine (laughs) lollipops here. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals go eighty and fifty three to finish with ninety wins and make the wild card. Leave it. Yeah, I think I am going to leave that too.
5: Yeah.
6: For them to go eighty and fifty three, I need to see a ten game winning streak starting today.
5: Ten games.
6: Yeah. How start? How how else are you going (laughs) to make? I mean, that'll get you over five hundred. We
5: can't. We can't do the seventeen game win streak. Well, I just need
6: ten. I don't need seventeen right now. Just give me ten. I just want to win a game. Yeah. Playoffs? A couple. A talk couple about playoffs. Games in
5: a row would be nice. Don't talk about playoffs.
4: Yeah, two would be good. Have they won two in a row? <laughs> they have won two yes. in a row. They have not won, won three in a row. In a row against
8: yeah. the. Um, well, Blue they
6: Blue won Jays. two against Jays, the Blue Jays. Jays yeah. Yeah. yeah, the last two. Not,
4: do the we not, the, not the first one. Long of course. Time. No, uh. Um, yeah.
5: When do yeah. we play Oakland? Do we play Oakland? <laughs> play Detroit this weekend.
4: <sighs> got the Tigers coming to town.
5: That doesn't even make me feel good.
4: <laughs> take it or leave it. STL City
8: SC is the only team with a winning record in St. Louis this year. You no. Forgot about, you forgot it. about the Battle the Hawks. Battle Hawks?
5: This Ka-ka, year. Yeah. Go go. Um,
8: we're
6: leave that.
5: Well, and then you have the Blues season. Yeah. So that's part they of the year. They were under
6: 500. They were under but 500. But I'm,
5: uh, I'm thinking of the new season. Oh, I'm
8: Sunshine no, no, and Oh, You see, you're cheating. No, that's just yeah, that's yeah. not yeah. If
5: you say year, it's I'm going to I'm gonna literally, <laughs> I'm going to take year. that literally.
8: Take it or leave it. The Bluebirds come out for the Redbirds this homestand. No, or I'll take if it. they stink, I'll take it.
6: Yeah. If they perform, if you have balls being booted, if you have guys misplaying fly balls, if you have, I, the hitting man, you know, I, yeah. If you have untimely hitting, what did you call it early?
4: Unsightly. Unsightly record, <laughs> yeah. <good>. Unsightly. Uh, <laughs> take it or leave it. <laughs> an Arenado strikeout elicits booze for him. Oh, I'll take. Ooh, I third, that. I'll take it. <laughs> I'm gonna take it too. Like yeah.
6: a uh, runners in scoring position, mm-hmm. down by a run, two runs, and
8: yeah. yeah, if he if that happens, yeah, I'll take that. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals coaching staff looks different at the
4: All Star break. Ooh. This is interesting. I'm gonna leave it because I I don't think you're gonna change Joe McEwing. I don't think you're gonna change Pop Warner. They like him a lot. Stubby. It is fine. So, uh, I, I, Dusty Blake, do you do you give Dusty Blake just ninety games? Do you give Turner Ward just ninety games? I, I'm going to leave that. This is intriguing. This is. This is I, I, I'll leave it. But this is this is interesting. It has been the Cardinals' mo yeah. when things have gone poorly to get to change the coaching staff before they change the manager.
5: When when's the last time that they changed during the season? I'm trying to remember. They did it
4: with Matheny in Matheny's last oh, full yeah. season. Remember?
5: Yeah, yeah.
4: I think that's when they brought up shilty what time was that?
5: Like all star break.
4: break right? yeah.
5: Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just, I, <laughs> and then they got rid of
4: Mike at the all star break too. You're they, right. So they got, they changed his coaching staff and changed him at the all star break. I think back to back years, 16 and 17, maybe. Would you put mm-hmm. any kind
8: of money on on the Cardinals making a move on, like in the coaching staff or the manager before the all star break? No. No. Like, no. I, I, this, this organization isn't no. going to be that. They're not going to have that kind of hair going well, I, I not would happen.
6: rather make a move on the roster. But that yeah, I would no. hope so.
4: And here's the thing. We go back to philosophical differences that caused Mike Schilt to not be here anymore. And the Cardinals, to their credit, I guess, have allowed us to speculate because they've never told us why Mike Schilt and those philosophical differences caused him to to leave. But I I look at this as Mike Schilt was an old school guy that was tight with Tony La Russa who told him, "Hey, don't take any crap from the front office," because Tony never did. But Tony had he had Dewitt on his side; he had Bill Dewitt. Jr. on his side, and Bill DeWitt Jr. said, you can stay as long as you want. So when Tony wanted Matt Holiday, got Matt Holiday. When Tony wanted to get rid of Colby Rasmus, he got rid of Colby Rasmus. When he wanted a bullpen, he he got the bullpen rebuilt. He, he was in charge. Now the manager isn't in charge anymore, and I don't think the Cardinals, at least from an observational view, I don't think that they have the desire to have the manager actually manage anymore. I don't think that they want the guy that oversees everything in that clubhouse, in every baseball aspect of downstairs. So, for example, Joe Madden. Joe Madden's yeah. not coming here. Joe Madden, Joe Madden, he wrote a book about what is happening in baseball now. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to deal with that.
5: I, I'm going to point something, else, something out, and I don't mean to be mean by this, but to your point, they would have hired a manager with more experience, if that was the case, where they wanted mm-hmm. a manager like that. Yes. Who was old school. They would have gone out and found somebody.
4: Yeah. Terry Francona really wanted this job badly when Tony retired uh, and and he didn't get it. And uh, I think that kind of set the tone. That is Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next, should the Cardinals have really signed a number one pitcher in free agency this past offseason? We will discuss and maybe
2: debate here on 101 ESPN. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. Learn more at Marines.com.
0: You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's
0: fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app.
2: and the Cardinals' offense eventually will get going. But their rotation was
1: a concern entering the season, and it remains a concern. They are 22nd in the majors in rotation ERA, or an ERA of almost five. And in quality starts, they've got only six all season, for the Mike Jordan Montgomery. Now, Adam Wainwright is on his way back. That should help, but this rotation has been a concern. And unless it improves dramatically, or they add at some point, I don't know that it's going to be much better as we go on
4: Ken Rosenthal of the Athletic MLB on Fox. And first of all, Brooke and Kerry, I'm not as convinced as he is that the offense is going to be there because we just don't know about the outfield. But the other part of it is I, I can't disagree with the struggles that this starting rotation has endured. I think that Jack Flaherty is fine. But he he's not the front of the rotation seven inning guy that he was when he started the 2021 season coming out of COVID. Uh, obviously, Steven Matz has a, a lot of issues. Montgomery is very solid. Miles Michaelis is going to be what he is. He's a, a terrific mid-rotation guy. And then Adam Wainwright is hopefully going to be what, what Adam Wainwright was. But the, the question that I would have is if you go into a series against... Let's just use the Pirates as an example this year, where Mitch Keller has been amazing in the early part of this season. And the, the Pirates, with the best record in the league, so I'm, I'm talking about a team that is really, really good. But uh, they've got uh, Rosie Contreras, who's been terrific so far, 3-1 and one with a 3.58. I mentioned Mitch Keller for them, who's... Uh, so far, and he's coming into his own. Oh, and he's he's 3-0 and with a 3.53, and then they signed Rich Hill, and he's 3-2 and with a 4.18. So if you're the Cardinals, do you feel comfortable taking your top three into a series against the Pirates in their top three? I don't, and by the way, Johan Oviedo... Uh, Cardinals couldn't unlock the key to Johan Oviedo. Uh, he's two and two with 30 strikeouts for the, the Pirates, too. So, do I feel comfortable even going into a series against the Pirates with my starting rotation? I think it's a coin flip at best. I don't think the Cardinals dominate the Pirates by any stretch of the imagination.
5: Yeah. I. To your point, the Cardinals, they it seems like the starting rotation has somewhat steadied just a little mm-hmm. bit. The Card starters had a 3.71 ERA and three quality starts in the 10 games out west. But this group is really inconsistent because you brought up some of the names that we have. Who are the guys that you have moving forward for next season, too? Because you also have to think about big picture. Right now, Jordan Montgomery, I think we can all agree, is your best starter mm-hmm. and probably your most consistent with his stuff <laughs> currently
4: not here next year
5: and it, <laughs> and that's concerning as well because he even said during spring training he was open to talks remember with the cardinals and i know that he's a scott boris client so i'm sure that there's a lot more to this but typically i would think your agent's going to do what you would want right if you say i want to stay in st louis he's going to go and advocate for that so i was pretty surprised that those talks haven't happened because now he is your one of your most consistent guys, and we're talking about consistency as is an issue with starting pitch, pitchers with the Cardinals' rotation right now. And is, is his price going to be too much for you if he continues to do this well? Well, I think if
6: you were trying to do business, you would do it now with Jordan Montgomery. He's two and four. Uh, that is not the 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 numbers aren't great, but he's pitched really well. And if you're just looking on the numbers, the sheer numbers. If you're an, if you're another team and you're looking at a, at, an, at a guy that is two and four and you're looking at his stats and you're saying oh, well he hasn't won many games but you don't see the games and how they played out you might not get as much money from other places as the Cardinals could be willing to offer you right now the Cardinals might actually be in the best place to offer him the most money the best deal that he can get if they were to do it right now now do they want to do that knowing that he's also and they've seen the record as well he's two and four but again you know that that two and four is not really uh, all on him. He's had some. He, I think he's had four quality starts in his in his opportunities, and um, you know, not really can't place all of the all of those losses on him because of what
5: has happened behind him. If I was Scott Boris or even Jordan Montgomery, I'd say, you know what. Well, we'll just wait and see how the rest of the season goes. We'll we'll yeah. see how this goes, and then we'll talk because I mean he's in a really now in negotiation is as we know is all about who has the upper hand. He has the upper hand right now in these conversations.
6: What if you end up four and fourteen?
7: Yeah.
4: The thing is, I mean, he's, he's, <laughs> he's,
7: he's you got, got ten quality. I mean, there's and and always a million got, possibilities. And, and if
4: he's four fourteen with a three point three four ERA and a three to one, right now he's got thirty two strikeouts, eight walks, so. 4 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio, people are going to say, well, that one loss is because of the Cardinals' poor offense. They're going to know. They know. We just heard Ken Rosenthal say he knows that he's got four quality starts. So every, everybody in baseball knows. The question would be, the, the Yankees have so much money tied up in their start. I guess with Scherzer's, well... The, the Mets don't care how much money they spend. So would the Mets go after Montgomery and maybe try to tweak the Yankees because he used to pitch for the Yankees? Absolutely, the Mets would go after him and spend a lot of money. Would the Dodgers be interested maybe at $20 million a year for four years? Absolutely, the Dodgers. The, are the Giants looking for starting pitching? Yes, the Giants are looking for starting pitching, and they're willing to pay for it because they messed up on not keeping Kevin Gossman. So there are going to be multiple suitors for Jordan Montgomery as a free agent.
5: Here's another question I have. It seems like last season, too, that the starting rotation just kind of took a little bit to settle in as well, too. Of course, you had those acquisitions as well of Jordan Montgomery and Jose Quintana. But at the same time, it seems like they did a pretty good job, the the pitching staff, of keeping the ball inside the park. Have you noticed that starting pitching has kind of struggled with that this season of just keeping the ball inside the park? Because, you know, if you can do that, you have enough Mm -hmm. infielders. Who are very talented that can kind of gobble up opposing hitters?
4: Yeah, I, I do think that the Cardinals still need to pitch to contact, and this is a really ho- hard ballpark to hit home runs in. I, I don't have any problem with with the approach. Sometimes the execution of the approach isn't great, but that's ultimately, as Kerry would put it, on the pitcher.
6: It it, it is. It's on the pitcher, and it's on you know the location, making sure you're hitting those spots. Um, who who gave up that home run where we were talking about Contreras was on the ground. And it was left over the plate. Was that Helsley? Who was that? Uh, that was Helsley, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a prime example mm-hmm. of location not being where it needed to be. Contreras is sitting his butt on the ground, and the pitch, he's expecting it to bounce to him, and the pitch is hanging over the middle of the plate, and it's knocked out of the ballpark. Every player has to perform their best. And, and back to Jordan Montgomery, if I'm him, I may not want to take a deal from the Cardinals knowing that I'm pitching this well and i'm not getting the help around me that that does impact my financial future but i think it also plays both ways because again if you're 4 and 14 and you got 10 quality starts the average fan, you sign him to a $120 million deal, and they look at that record and say, 4-14, what mm-hmm. the yep. hell are you doing? Right. So, it's not it's not as simple. It's a lot of factors here where you know an opposing team that, that may want to sign him if his record is terrible, they're going to have to explain that to their fan base, and you know it, it's a lot of things that'll go into it.
4: And by the way, during the offseason, I said I would have been reticent if I were the Cardinals to sign Verlander at his age, even though he won a signing award last year, Rodon with his injury history, history, DeGrom with his injury history, Quintana, and Quintana came at a reasonable price for the Mets at $26 million over two years. But when you look at the results of those four, Verlander has yet to pitch, Rodon has yet to pitch, uh, DeGrom has pitched well when he's pitched, but he's only thrown I think 26 innings and is on the IL now and probably has to undergo Tommy John. And then Quintana hasn't pitched. so. Actually, I think the Cardinals were smart to, this year, not sign any of those guys. At least they're getting guys that are taking the ball. Now, is it a great result? No, <laughs> but it's probably better than having some of the alternatives. And the Cardinals, at some point, you mentioned it earlier, Brooke, they'll they'll bring Matthew Libertor up, and hopefully he'll get here. I don't think we'll see Graceffo this year, but uh, hopefully Matthew Libertor will find his way to being ready to be on the Cardinals in 2023. Coming up next year on 101 ESPN, we've got NFL news and notes, a lot going on on the heels of the draft here on 101 ESPN.
0: You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
4: With the NFL Drafts complete, a couple of signings yesterday for teams that really didn't fill needs during the draft that they had. The Buffalo Bills signing running back Latavius Murray. I guess he's just going to play for every team at some point.
6: He's working <laughs> his way around yeah. the league. Yeah. This has got to be like five, Vikings,
4: six? Saints, Broncos, Broncos Raiders. Um,
6: Bills now. That's five. Yeah. I think it's one more. I think there is two. I, I'm. I, he's. Raven, been did on, we say Ravens? No, no is, Ravens. No, Ravens. No, there yeah. it is. Six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's. He can to play for everybody. That's good for him. Keep yeah. working, young man. Yeah. As Long so, as they pay you, keep playing. Yeah. And
4: they needed. They needed a running
6: back. Yeah. They did. I, I'm surprised they didn't. Uh, in, they they did it last year with James Cook when they took the the running back um, James Cook. But I, I just thought they are a team that. They play well. They don't run the ball sp- mm-hmm. particularly well. They use Josh Allen to do a lot of their running game. And, you know, you don't want your quarterback running the ball 15, 20 times a game. And I don't care how big he is. So uh, getting a running back that you can hand the ball off to is going to be good for them. I don't know if Latavius Murray is the answer necessarily. No, probably not. But he can take 25 carries and, and you know, get you 88 yards
4: the <laughs> jets have they they've got a little acronym now for friend of rogers and so they brought in uh, their offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. They brought in... Friends
9: of yeah, Rogers. Yeah, they, they,
4: they've, they've got these guys. They, they brought in uh, the, uh, the, the big the wide receiver, four. Alan Lazard. Yesterday, they signed <laughs> offensive tackle Billy Turner. They didn't fill a need for an offensive tackle in the draft. So 31-year-old Billy Turner, who played with Aaron in Green Bay from 19 to 21, is now a member of the Jets. So another four for Aaron. And Randall Cobb has to wind up there, doesn't he? Oh, he's on his way. They, that Aaron Rodgers kind of set out
6: his list of... I don't want to say demands, but I guess needs or or wants. And, um, yeah, that that – Randall Cobb was on that list of needs and wants. And so they're going to do everything that they can do to try to make mm-hmm. sure that they accommodate Aaron Rodgers to make him comfortable. They got the O coordinator. You know, they, they got Lazard. They're, they're doing everything they can to make sure that he's comfortable. And they got a good team around him. I expect that Jets team to be a really good football team this season in that division. We just talked about the Bills. They uh, The Jets might be the favorite to win that division right now with mm-hmm. the addition of Aaron Rodgers.
5: Didn't they didn't he get mad at a reporter for saying that it was like a once list or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he,
6: he uh told but that's was what a chef to lose his number, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. That's
5: what it was. It was a and there's nothing wrong, I guess, if you reach that level of status. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. you know what makes you successful.
4: He's an interesting guy. They definitely did that for him in Green Bay, did they not? Yes. Except but, for drafting first
6: round draft pick. Yeah. The receiver. Yeah. They drafted a quarterback. Yeah, mm. they went haywire after that. Yeah, it sure did. Yeah, it did. <laughs> but you know what?
4: There was not a quarterback that they could have taken in that draft that was drafted after Jordan Love that would have made a huge impact for him anyway.
6: No, nah, I mean, but the fact that you drafted a quarterback in the first round, knowing that he yep. was still winning MVPs or going to win more, yeah, that was that that, that made it rough on yourself if you're the Green Bay Packers, and yeah, you're you're you you finally got him out of the out of the way though. So all we'll right. see.
4: Uh, Guys, our friend Mike Martz said at the end of last season that the team that he would not have wanted to see in the playoffs that didn't make the playoffs was the Detroit Lions. He loves the Lions. And the Lions took Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Alabama, through from Georgia Tech through Alabama, with their 12th overall pick. And then they took a middle linebacker by the name of Jack Campbell from Iowa, who's the quintessential Iowa player. Uh, they, they took him with the 18th overall pick. And right now, the Lions aren't thought as highly of because of their approach to this draft. That was an interesting pick, that that first pick that they selected
6: in... in- uh, Jameer Gibbs. I was not expecting that. They just uh, signed David Montgomery in the offseason. You had Swift on the roster, which they eventually traded, but going in, you had you you draft another running back. Now you got three guys on the roster. DeAndre Swift, to me, when healthy, is a, a fantastic running back, so I was surprised at that pick, but if they feel that Jamar, Jameer Gibbs is a Alvin Kamara type of running back, that electric, can catch the ball out of the backfield, can run the ball that well, I understand it, but he's going to have to be that for that organization.
5: Yeah, I that that seems like a pretty big gamble cuz I thought their draft was fine other than just that first round. I was kind of questioning mm-hmm. that. Do you think Gibbs was even surprised that he went that early?
8: He was. <laughs> it's
5: just, yeah. yeah. To
6: that, to that spot especially.
5: Yeah, yeah.
6: Uh, you got guys there already, and you signed a guy in the offseason. So that's – the here's the heartbreaking part for me. If you're David Montgomery and you get signed, you sign that mm-hmm. contract, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm starting running back, RB1. Good, yeah. Wait, what are they doing? Who are they, yeah. What is that? Well, who, why would you do it, – it, it changes. You're going to get paid. He's still going to sign. He's got his money. But you want to be that lead guy, and now if you draft a guy, if they draft a guy at your position in the first round, you're probably not going to be that guy.
4: One of the big controversies around this draft was the test-taking ability of C.J. Stroud, who was taken second overall by the Houston Texans. And he had his introductory press conference and, again, had to reinforce the fact that he's according to him, not an idiot. He said, a lot of people <laughs> haven't played the sport. I mean, critics are going to critique. For me, I know the film speaks for itself. Everything that I've done in college, I've been very consistent. I think I've been one of the most consistent players in college football for the last two years. If you turn on the tape, you can see, you can answer the questions. But those who don't under, don't understand tape might want to go to other things and analyze other things. That's what he had to say.
5: I To me... Personally, I don't see why it would matter so much on a test because it, what was it before? It was the Wonderlick before. Yep. And I'm sure there were some quarterbacks that did really well with that. I, I understand, like, you know, knowing the game and all that kind of stuff, but does do you really think test taking matters that much of the success of a player or a quarterback? No.
6: I don't I don't know. I would have to I would like to take that test, that cognitive test and see, you know, what all it entails. I don't know that that matters when you got a 330 pound D lineman unblocks running at you. If that tells you whether or not you're going to be poised in the pocket and be able to keep your eyes downfield, take a hit and make an on target throw. I don't think that that matters very much. How well how you sit down and take a test? Um, but the teams feel like that matters, and they they put stock into it just like they put stock into guys wearing t shirts and, and shorts. So Some, you know, it just it,
5: seems like it's just too much. Sometimes I feel like maybe they just want to have a lot of different things to look at, and maybe it's just too much. It's just too much because I agree it should be valued on your body of work, yeah. what you've done thus far, not one test. That's why I hate ACTs, yeah. all that different oh, kind of I stuff do too. Yeah, I, I just thought great. I don't I don't understand why would you not just Base it off your full well for Randy. I saw your report card, so I don't yeah. know. Maybe I don't
4: know <laughs> if you'd
5: also base it on the full body.
4: Work. I, I'm, I'm the CJ Stroud of broadcast.
5: <laughs> didn't, didn't
6: do well, but just well. When you said when you brought up Mike Martz, I thought you were going to talk about how he coached
4: the receivers. Oh, <laughs> oh man,
6: so. So anyway, like, what do you say? Was it the it receivers was, in Denver? yeah was it Denver that we oh, were talking about? Uh,
4: yes. I yeah, said, how do, you, the how
6: do you coach him? He said, with yeah. a bat? <laughs> yeah. That's right. with a baseball bat. That's it,
4: yeah. So um, I'll never forget. The the, the Rams signed a guy, uh, I think it was Troy Edwards, former Steeler guy. Yeah. Uh, and he just couldn't pick up the offense. And Mike, he was a detail, is a detail freak. Mm-hmm. And training camp, I'm standing there right on the sideline. And it's a it's an 18 yard in and r- edwards runs a 17 yard in and mike just goes to him and jumps did i say an 18 yard in the receiver just got his head down i didn't say a 17 yard in. i said an 18 yard in and then uh, edwards didn't even make it halfway through camp because he just yeah. could not handle the concept of detail yeah
5: so some people are texting in actually and they're saying it does matter somebody said that i guess i why there's lost in all these text messages. Um, people are saying that it does matter. Um, uh, we talk about QBs
8: having happy feet or not looking comfortable. Slowing the game
4: down is a simpler way of saying you can process all this information quickly. But is it is it a test that determines that, or is it your instinctive, innate ability to read a defense? Kurt Warner always said that he, by the time the ball was snapped, knew what the defense was going to do. That was instinctive. Kurt is gifted in that way. Other guys just aren't. Tony Banks was not gifted in that way. Some guys have it. You played with a guy that had it in Ben. Yeah. So, some guys don't. But but Ben also Manning had it too. Ben also was,
6: uh, you know, he, if he... God gave Ben something that he didn't give other people. And he was 6'6", 270 yeah. pounds, yeah. man. He's a huge, large human being. And defensive linemen bounced off of him. That I don't know that a cognitive test is going to help you Here with
5: you that. So the 618 <laughs> texted in. They said it is a 100% failure rate for quarterbacks who score poorly on that test. People are texting in that some people are saying it does matter. So I looked up his score. He had the lowest score, Stroud did of 18% out of a possible 100%.
8: Oh, he failed that. Ooh. He just signed his I don't name. Even, that's
7: worse. Dang, than that. that's pretty bad.
5: By
8: the way, uh, Ben <laughs> Rosberg. Got got a, right. Ben Rosberg got a 25 on the Wonderlick. I got yeah. oh, 18%. Percent go. is a rousing success for a <laughs> test. That's a horrible score for
6: all of the young people on their way to class. Do not score 18%. We're gonna shoot on, for seventy-five be. and higher. Okay, at, the, at, at bare minimum,
4: we're gonna shoot seventy-five. For, okay, is a, we're is gonna, gonna give you a C. We're gonna shoot for seventy-five, but here's the thing: eighty percent in our school is gonna give are, you a B. Some of us are eighteen <laughs> percent.
6: That, that gives the rest of the class. <laughs>
4: like I mentioned I did the National Football <laughs> Foundation banquet the other night. I took looked at the crowd, the elite eleven, the best football players, the brightest, best and the brightest that St. Louis has to offer, and I said, guys, you might not realize it, but I was very important to you with my grade point average in the twos <laughs> because I was part of the group that made the top half possible. There you go. You and gotta have two halves. Somebody
5: yeah. texted in, Jam- yeah. Jameis Winston did really well on his Wonderlick.
6: See? Uh, what does that mean?
8: Yeah. It does. It, it and doesn't- that's why they changed it because the Wonderlick wasn't good. But I, I just, I just don't even know if. You know, the one like who was there for 20 test. years. Yeah. Can
7: how, we get how, that how, Is this test,
6: test really going to be I that much better? I want to do, that that yeah. I wanna do it. I want to see how okay. well, how, you how,
4: how much my cognitive uh, skills play and how well I can do on yeah, it. I think we can find one on the interwebs. So those are our NFL news and notes here on 101 <laughs> ESPN. Brooke, Carrie, Randy, yes?
6: Text in front of 314 says C's get degrees, baby.
8: Thank <laughs> you that? Would that even uh, qualify as we, a we C? Did, we didn't get a text who says that, that, <laughs> that they, they score the test in percentiles, like standardized testing. So, like, if you does not your percentage is where you are, like, what percentage does better than you or worse than you. So, he did bad on the test. He could have gotten a 70%, but it means that he was only better than 18% of people. That's who took
5: too complicated the test. For, so for me. There are people that were,
7: yeah. Yes, hey, there are people who did yeah. worse than him. But,
5: Will Levis from According to this, 93%. Do I believe that? Ooh, I don't know. Ooh. Now, but, let me know how that
6: works when he's trying to find a receiver downfield. Yeah, that Kentucky education. Holy cow.
4: <laughs> awesome.
5: Now in Tennessee. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll only go up from here. Coming
4: up, we've got the fight on 101 ESPN.
2: It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve.
0: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, Average Joe
2: Listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning
6: Welcome back to the Opening Drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimbley, and it is time for the fight, and our fighter today is Jason. Jason, how are you doing today?
3: How are you guys? Good. We're doing
6: wonderful. You ready to take on Megamind in this? Uh...
3: Uh, I don't
9: know if you can ever be re- uh, ready to take him on, so let's do it, I guess. All right,
6: here we go. Against which division rival did Bob Giz- Gibson throw his first and only no-hitter? Chicago, the New York Mets... Or the Pittsburgh Pirates? Chicago Cubs? Oh, <laughs> Chicago Cubs? Oh, <laughs> New York Mets? Or the Pittsburgh Pirates? I'm going to go with the Cubs.
5: They're like Madonna. They just go by.
7: <laughs> 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 Which Mexican
5: born pitcher earned the first ever Major League Baseball win in a game played in Mexico? Teddy Higuera? Giovanni Gallardo? Fernando Valenzuela?
8: Wow. Uh, I'm going to go with Fernando. Sounds well. There
6: have been a number of big game, big scoring games early in this year's NBA playoffs, but everyone is still chasing the playoff record of 63 points set by whom? Elgin Baylor, Larry Bird, or Michael Jordan?
9: That's MJ all the way.
5: Which National League club did Sam Usual hit his Major League Baseball record five home runs across a doubleheader against on this day back in 1954? Is it the Brooklyn Dodgers, Boston Braves, or New York Giants?
9: Mm, man. New York Giants?
8: All right. We got the numbers rock. Double we- check our score and we will bring in Randy Carricker.
6: Jason, how, you, how do you feel you did? You went in a little... Terrible. Terrible? Really? I think I got maybe one. I don't know. We'll I- see. How, how? What sport is your is your sport? Is your go-to sport for oh, trivia? Oh, I'm a football guy all the way. Football. I, I, love, I love them all, though. You yeah. know what? I think Rock knows what uh, no, the contestant... Sh- how dare you? I, it's amazing how every time we get a contestant on, they're like, football, and we don't have any football contestant questions. <laughs> an issue yesterday when I literally had a <laughs> question saying, from all four it's, major it's, sports? It's, <laughs> what, what do you want from me? I want you to keep doing your good job, brother. You're doing
4: an outstanding job. Ready? Oh. say hello to Jason. Jason, good morning. How are you doing? Hey Randy, how are you, sir? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. You bet. All right, Randy. Here we go.
6: Ready? Against which division rival did Bob Gibson throw his first and only no hitter?
3: Oh man,
4: let's see. Well, you had the at the time. You had the Cards, Cubs, Mets, Phillies. Oh, you know what? I think it was August fourteenth, nineteen seventy one, at Pittsburgh <laughs> oh my God. against the Pirates. <laughs>
7: that's
6: what so is, insane I, what, what are you what what type of brain do you have there sir
5: it needs to be studied we're going to put it to the s2 test all right question number 2 which mexican born pitcher earned the first ever major league baseball win in a game played in mexico
7: mm.
4: mexican born pitcher huh well, we had the... Uh, oh, you know what? Hmm. I'll do the lifeline.
5: Teddy Higura, Giovanni Gallardo, Fernando Valenzuela.
4: The first name that came to mind was Fernando. You know I broadcast his last game. Really? What? Yep, he pitched for the Cardinals in Cincinnati, 1997. I broadcast his last major league game. Wow. Um, Cardinals traded Danny Jackson for him. I'll go with Fernando, just because I like Fernando a lot. There have been a
6: number of big scoring games in this year's, early in this year's NBA playoffs, but everyone is still
4: chasing the playoff record of 63. Set by whom? That would have been one uh, all-time goat for the opening drive That'd be Michael Jeffrey Jordan, sir, yeah. against the Boston Celtics. going to be my next question. Yes.
5: <laughs> in Boston. It was. In the garden. Which National League club did Stan Musial hit his Major League Baseball record five home runs across a double header on this day in 1954?
4: I think that they might have gotten so upset in Brooklyn they said, who is the... Ma-? No, he had the nickname before that. I'm going to go with the Brooklyn Dodgers, though. I'm going to go Brooklyn. We
8: have a tie today, a high-scoring tie today between Jason and Randy means We have to go to our tiebreaker. This one's been burning for like a week and a half now. So we will read the question off. We'll give Randy a moment to write down his answer. Jason will then answer, give us his answer audibly. Carrie and Brooke will make sure that I read out Randy Carricker's answer. Yes, we before will. Before we announce sure. the winner, and whoever is closest to the pin, it will be the winner of today's fight. Jason, do you understand those rules? I do. Let's do it. All right, Randy Carriker, do you have a pad of paper?
4: I do, from 2007. This is
8: one of, is one of my ultimate uh, closest to the pin questions ever. The two this th- is,
4: by the way, Bonneville Radio. Oh, there you go. So we, we had, oh, we still had 106.5 The Arch, and we had WIL, but we had moving 101.1 in 2007. We were moving 101.1. That's what this pad of paper is from.
8: Alright, the 2000 Cardinals are the highest scoring Cardinals team since World War II and one of only 7 to score over 800 runs. How many total runs did the 2000 Cardinals score? The 2000 Cardinals are the highest-scoring Cardinals team since World War II and one of only seven to score over 800 runs. How many total runs did the Cardinals score in 2000? Randy Carricker has given us his guess. Jason, what is your guess, sir? Uh, you oh. got to tell Randy's guess? No, no, wait, because we don't want Jason oh. to go off of okay. it. Okay.
6: But thank you. All right, just making sure.
3: Um, I think it's going to be 780.
6: And Randy's guess
8: was... Uh, 821, sir. And that means that we have a winner of today's fight. Ring that bell.
2: The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy
0: Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis. With the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win,
8: baby. I'm sorry, Jason. Randy was a little bit closer to you on that one. The correct answer, 887 runs for the St. Louis Cardinals. I am sorry, Jason, on that one. You did great. Three correct is hard to do and usually gets you in the money, but unfortunately, Randy got you on the tiebreaker today.
10: Yeah, hey, thanks, guys. A lot of fun. Have a great day. Appreciate it, Jason. Thank
8: thanks for joining. Let's go through those answers. It was against the Pittsburgh Pirates on, what was the day, Randy?
4: August 14, 1971. Yeah, sir. I have it written
8: here, and he's 100% correct. Bob Gibson threw his first and only no-hitter for the St. Louis Cardinals. Which Mexican-born pitcher earned the first ever MLB win in a game played in, in Mexico? It was, in fact, Fernando Valenzuela. In 1996, he was with the San Diego Padres. They played the Mets in the first ever game uh, in Monterey, I believe it was at the time. And there have been a number of big scoring games early in this year's NBA playoffs, but Still chasing Michael Jordan 63 against the Boston Celtics Did he win that series? He did not. I didn't think so. Uh,
7: <laughs> Sorry. Take a I, shot. I had to. Which, which
8: NL club did Stan Musial hit his MLB record five home runs? Giants, crossed a doubleheader right. on this day in 1954. Right city. Wrong borough. Yeah, New York Giants, not the Brooklyn Dodgers. Stupid. On that day in May 2nd, 1954 <laughs> for the man. And Randy wins this fight in the tiebreaker again. The highest scoring Cardinals team since World War II are the 2000 Cardinals. 887 runs. Where were the Giants
6: playing at then? They were in New York but what, what Ebbets Field Ebbets Field what do you know because he said wrong Borough they were in Brooklyn with the Dodgers were they in, in the, Bronx? the Bronx no the Bronx or the Yankees y- Yankees the Mets were in Queens are in Queens Yeah. And, uh, so would it, be, would it be I think Ebbets Field no, Ebbets
8: Field was also in Brooklyn that's what I thought
6: yeah. and I thought they were both in Brooklyn Yeah. Huh.
4: but 8 but, miles apart right yeah oh wow like, yeah. yeah so
8: I figured. correct Borough yeah. wrong, wrong team right. yeah, you know, know via radio uh, man, I don't know I don't know boroughs or provinces. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I got to work <laughs> but on But you these things. know that they are two
6: different things. I do. Yes. Yeah, so not, hey, we're going in the right direction. Paying talking <laughs> hockey
2: next on 101 ESPN. You are back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN,
0: presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: Bobby and Wakefield, go Bobby.
1: I think we need to have a good, hard, long look at the core. Uh, Bergeron, Krejci, Chara, and Marshawn as chokers and, dare I say, losers. They never overcame adversity when it truly mattered. If you say 2011, I'll say that Vancouver choked before we could. Thanks, guys.
10: Yeah. That was
4: Boston Sports Talk Radio yesterday on the heels of the Bruins' defeat at the hands of Matthew Kachuk and the Florida Panthers on Sunday night. We had to do the... Celebrity line right now, Darren Pang did that game in Boston, and uh <laughs> the Panger, first of all, good morning, second of all, there's nothing like the the Boston sports media and the Boston sports fan
1: <laughs> there no, there isn't um, good morning to you all um yeah that uh that's that's a tough market I got to tell you, walking into that my spot between the benches uh getting ready for game seven you know i I looked around and of course uh, in two thousand and nineteen it was nationally broadcast by NBC so um, our ballet sports group just did a little pregame show half hour and then we did a, a the post games you know celebration uh, so I didn't get the chance to be there at ice level and to just kind of feel the atmosphere um but this was even this was much different i mean two thousand nineteen when the blues won in boston um you know that, that i mean that place was full of you know <laughs> it was full of hope and pride and energy, and you know we're going to kick the snot out of them kind of mentality. And this one, the other night, wasn't. It, it really wasn't. It was. It was nervousness. Maybe they were remembering Game Seven uh, against the Blues. I'm not sure, but it, it just didn't have that excitement. I, I walked out, and it was like it was a nervous anticipation more than it was a, an enthusiastic. You know, we're gonna. We're gonna. You know we're, we're, we're going to take game seven. We're going to move on. That's the way it's going to be. It's been a bit of an aberra- a- aberration with how great our regular season is, but we're, we're going to move on. So it was really odd. I'll be quite honest with you uh, to be right there and to experience it. And it was still a, a really good hockey game, but, uh, uh, there's something about those pesky Florida Panthers led by Matthew Kachuk.
6: Penger, you play goalie, so I want to ask your opinion on this. Your line is all, Mark. You get to the stadium. You, you're 40-6 for the President Trophy-winning Boston Bruins. You you get to Game 7, and your name is not in the starting lineup. How do you respond?
1: Yeah, that's – I mean, you have to respond as a good teammate, number one. I mean, you know, I, I can only say in my experiences uh, I felt some a couple of situations where – I, I wanted to be in that net. I thought I deserved to be in that net. And there was one time where, you know, I kind of walked around the locker room with a, a little bit of a pouty face. And one of my, you know, one of the leaders and guys I look up to pulled me aside and said, like, we, we don't need that. We, mm-hmm. we need you all in. And so I've always, you know, I always remember that moment. And I, I think that for a split second, Kerry, as you would probably feel the same way for a split second, you're sour and you're, you know, you're upset. There's a good chance that he found out the day before um so that that the whole room wasn't rocked so that you you know that he knew that okay this is what it's going to be and and I've got to pull up my pants here and be a great teammate so but uh, at the end of it people asked me before that game would you make a change and of course I don't know if there was any health issues or you know whether it be you know I know a flu bug kind of went through there but I then I thought, well, they kind of faked that out on, that, on Patrice Bergeron in the first couple, first couple of games until we found out that he was actually really hurt with a herniated disc. So um, all that being said, if he was healthy, not sick, um, I would have played him for the last game. Uh, he, brought, he brought you that far. Um, he didn't play well in game six, but if you trust a guy – you feel like he'll come back for, for Game 7. There's been many great goalies and great athletes that have played poor games, but you didn't just throw them under the bus. You threw them right back into that net and said, let's go, you're our guy.
5: Well, Panger I'm looking at the game tonight between the Panthers, which will start that series, and the Maple Leafs, and that's one that I'm really looking forward to because it just feels like there's a lot of Blues connections. Obviously, on the Toronto side, you have Nolachari and Ryan O'Reilly. They've really been a different difference maker for Toronto. And then the Panthers, Matthew Kachuk, I mean... He's been fantastic, and you mentioned him as well. It seems like he's been a huge difference maker for the Panthers as well, too. And I just kind of put him in with the Blues connections, St. Louis connections, of course, as well, too.
1: I, I would agree with you. I think that's going to get a lot of eyeballs. Um, I'm I'm happy to uh, to, to say that uh, after tonight's game, which the first games are on ESPN, it, it's a kind of a mixed hybrid here with the um, with the Nationals, um, you know, doing the series, but ESPN will take game one. And then um, I'm going to jump into Toronto and, and take game two in Toronto and game three uh, in Florida. So I'm, I am I like you, Brooke. I'm, I'm excited about that series for those reasons. Um, it's been really nice to, to actually see Ryan O'Reilly um, on off days, uh, morning skates. We hot stove in the room, and it's, it's great to see his familiar face, and, and Noel Achari has really played well. And on the other side of it, you know, Matthew um, – boy, he MVP so far for me. I mean, MVP of the whole thing uh, at this particular point, the guy's been, he's been a Rocky a big time player. I think he's built into that mentality with the Panthers that we will never go away, no matter what happens. And, and it's proven to, to show in their confidence late in games. And um, it was nice to see big Walt I didn't see him at the game in Boston, but afterwards on the ice, I saw Matthew pointing up there. And, uh, and so he had his whole family there and, uh, um, I, I'll say this, too. I think Big Walt might be the coach of the year. Um, mm-hmm. If you go back to the quote that he had um, following some disappointing games, the Panthers weren't in the playoffs, and he called them soft. He called them, you know – uh, he said every, everything in the book that went probably right to the heart of those players in calling out his own son's team. And since that point, they won six in a row. They got into the playoffs, and now they're rolling right now. So he is the Jack Adams Award winner for 2022-23. It is Big Walt Kachuk.
4: Hey, Panger, of the eight remaining teams, the most recent Stanley Cup champion for any of the franchises is Carolina back in 2006, and not many remember that. You had 2003, you had New Jersey, you had 2000 in Dallas. How do you like the new blood?
1: well, the new, you know, the new blood's fun. I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I, you know, I understand why people, especially network executives, you know, they go, Oh, major market, Oh, major market. You know, they're, they're thinking of what brings the, you know, the almighty ratings in, but we're, we're told to grow the game all the time, <laughs> mm-hmm. grow the game. Well, we, we send the game to Australia. We send it to Tokyo. We send it to here. We send it to there to grow the game. And then here we are in our own backyard and people get disappointed that the big markets aren't in it. Well, you know what? The, the, everybody came to training camp with a picture of the Stanley Cup in their locker room, and they all have, they've all earned the right to be there, and they are earned the right to, to, to compete. I'm excited about the Seattle Kraken. I think that's fantastic. Um, Carolina's a great hockey market. I mean, the, it's amazing going to a game there in Carolina. Uh, the Devils... Listen, they've been nowhere to be found for a while. They just beat a very veteran team that sold their sold the farm for veteran players like Vladdy Tarasenko that didn't play well last night, like Patrick Kane that didn't play well last night. And there's this young upstart Devils team that just is a, an exciting team to watch. So I'm, I'm quite fired up about it. And same with the Panthers. I mean, I think the last series... I think the last time they advanced past the second round, this is how old I am. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm reading up on all these historical things, but I did game seven when Tom Fitzgerald uh, beat uh, Tom Barrasso from center ice with a slap wow. shot. And I was there in 2004 when the Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Steve Levy and I had that call on ESPN in 2004, and I hadn't done a playoff series since that time with Toronto, and, and they ended up winning in 2023. So, I, I mean, they've all been really bad for a while. Um, or I didn't do enough of their series. <laughs>
4: <laughs> hey, Panger, I'll tell you what, and, and I know the U.S. TV executives would hate it, but from a hockey perspective, how about Connor McDavid against Austin Matthews?
1: Oh my God, that, that, mm-hmm. I mean that would be unbelievable. I, it truly would. Um, you know, you want the best, the best players playing against each other. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's you know that's 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 what it's all about. That's what they wanted with Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. Mm-hmm. That's what they wanted with Michael Jordan and whomever. And so, yeah, that would be uh, that would be phenomenal. I mean, listen, the city of Toronto is—they're they're nuts anyway, and they're very—they're very sensitive um, <laughs> about about their team. Uh, but now they're going to be fl- like flying high and maybe a little full of themselves, to be quite honest with you. So I'm excited to see how this is going to work out.
4: Panger, we will be tuned in. Thanks as always for the time. We appreciate it. And as these playoffs continue unfold, to unfold, we'll talk to you on Tuesday mornings. Thank you. Okay, thanks,
1: guys. Take care. Have a great
4: morning. You too. That's Darren Pang. He's all over the place with hockey coverage, and you can hear him here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got our Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN.
0: How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy,
10: the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great, you'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com.
2: To the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN.
0: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's
2: time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a rush hour
0: reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf.
4: It's 904 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Brooke Grimsley, Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us. Cards and Angels tonight, Patrick Sandoval, or Pablo if you want to call him that, goes against <laughs> Stephen Matt Sandoval with a two-and run one record and a 3.16 earned run average. If you double his 3.16 earned run average, it would be 6.32. <sighs> Steven Mass is 0-3 with the 6.23 uh, earned uh, run average going we into were. tonight's game. I knew where you were going. I'm, I'm a numbers guy. <laughs> big numbers. numbers. matter. Yeah, those are big. 6.23 is a big number. We got to figure that out today. 6.45 is, uh, is game time tonight over at the ballpark. Tickets still available. Shohei Otani pitches tomorrow. Tickets still available. Get out to is that see tomorrow? Shohei Ohtani. He pitches tomorrow? Yeah.
7: Oh,
5: okay. I want to see Shohei me too. Showtime. Shohei Otani. it will be great. Hopefully like he'll
4: that. do something spectacular Did you just tonight. That
5: name up? That I think I name? I think I probably stole it from okay. somewhere. I, th- I think I've definitely seen Showtime, that. I can't take Shohei full Ohtani. credit.
4: Showtime Shohei. <laughs> I like that. That's good, yeah. So uh just get your, your preview of him as he prepares to join Lars Newt Bar in and the where? outfield. Uh, in, in the, the outfield next outfield? year. Yeah, next year. Where? You get an ace and you huh? get an outfielder. It's
5: not going to be St. Louis. Why? Shohei's not going to be at St. Louis. Why? I'm going to see him in pinstripes. I just have a feeling. No, no, don't, don't do don't, it. Do, don't, that. don't do this I'm to me. I'm not saying that I want that. I'm just saying that it's it, it makes sense.
4: Isn't the magnetism of Lars Nootbaar strong enough to draw the uh, the steel of Shohei Otani to St. Louis?
6: We'll see if how only. they respond. How they how they connect when they mm-hmm. when they meet up today. Mm-hmm. If they have you know. Interactions, good interactions. It's a lot of hugs lot and of hugs.
4: love, and yeah.
6: man, I miss you, man. I ain't seen you in a yeah. few months, a month.
4: How you doing? No, that, that, Lars, that, Lars is a SoCal guy too. We need to take yeah. that into consideration. Oh, well
5: you know it it, it's also interesting for people to see too i guess us media members see it more the japanese media that comes to Mm -hmm. town as well when they know that shohei is in town i mean there will be so many japanese media members to see this whole interaction between lars and shohei and cover every single moment every little thing it's gonna
4: be it's it's gonna be a lot of fun over international superstars guys this came down this morning uh, the Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the Eagles is the most watched U.S.-based telecast of anything of all time. They redid the numbers. Nielsen did. They never did that for you when you were doing sports over at Channel 4, did they? Never did redid the numbers. <laughs> said, Brooke, you got a whole lot better rating a couple months ago than no. we thought a couple months ago. <laughs> never happened, did it? Well, now it happened for the Super Bowl. 115.1 million viewers across all platforms, nearly 2 million more than they had said in the previous announcement. We need one of those, too, to happen. <laughs> By the way, here on the, on the radio side, Nielsen, uh, just saying, uh, they did not start accounting for out-of-home streaming estimates until 2021. It's unclear whether the Super Bowl telecasts in 15 or 17 would have surpassed 115.1, but let's just say no, that Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts drew that many viewers.
6: I mean, Patrick Mahomes moves the needle. And what Jalen Hurts was able to do with the Philadelphia Eagles this year, that was a really good Super Bowl. A uh, couple of turnovers that that cost the Philadelphia Eagles an, an inability to stop the same play twice cost them. But all in all, it was a really good game and fun to watch.
4: Uh, Matthew Rocchio's... <laughs> Denver Nuggets knocked off the Suns last night, 97-87 ni- in Game triumph. 2 of their Western Conference <laughs> playoff series.
9: Well, without getting into all the details of it, I mean, dealing with people with lower incomes wasn't something I particularly <laughs> looked forward to, frankly.
4: So uh, Matthew's hero. <laughs> Uncle Stan. Uh, Uncle Stan gets another, <laughs> another victory, yeah. So Matthew's completely on board with kicking people out of their homes after they had been promised that they would be able to stay in their homes. Elderly people uh, in their in their seventies and eighties on the oh. Wagner Ranch down in Texas. Matthew was told he loved that.
6: Stan Kroenke is not a
8: not a is he not a good individual. Me and me and Tanner had done a Texas to kick some more old people out of their homes later on this week. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> arm in arm. I would yeah. suggest evil is a pretty good word. To evil, describe. yeah, hmm. that might be too easy too not harsh yeah. enough of a word.
5: I heard that when Rocchio goes on vacation, he's actually visiting. Uncle Stan. Uncle Stan. Uncle Stan, (laughs) yeah. I heard. That's what he's doing, actually.
4: I heard that, uh, like, he made a Denver trip and stayed at the top of the ball center. (laughs) I heard that, too. Yeah. Yeah. So... Rock and is the guy, Goes man. to Montana and literally stays anywhere in Montana because okay. Kroenke owns a whole damn state. <laughs>
8: <laughs> Am I supposed to apologize?
4: Yes. Yeah. Okay.
8: Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and you sorry, I'm not sorry. to apologize and, and, and for, he, for and,
4: rooting for the Denver Nuggets. And, and he ripped your hometown as he walked out the door. Oh, yeah. Ripped their hearts out. And you know what the
8: sad part is why I'm an Denver Nuggets fan? Because you hate St. Louis. I loved the sky blue jerseys in like 2006. Oh, and that's the only reason. Yeah. That's your reason? That's why I became an NBA fan. Stop. I like the jerseys. I, 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 was an, I was an AI fan and he got traded there. And uh, it took off from there. My, and, never mind <laughs> the fact
6: that they've never won. And now, you know, and never and, don't worry and, about and that. Now,
8: and now I have to root for a monster. <laughs> and you're okay with that. <laughs> yeah. So,
6: hey, short. One, little, one little quick thing here
4: <laughs> on it. our rush hour reset. Have you guys watched the documentary about Ryan Reynolds' the soccer team, Wrexham, at all? I, yes. I, I've yeah. seen I, I've people, people
5: talking about it. it. Pretty much cool. the whole
4: thing. I loved it. So, Wrexham is going to come to America and play LA Galaxy in July in a friendly.
5: Oh
6: wow! Ryan Reynolds team
4: playing in LA yeah. against Galaxy. Did he it. buy he that
6: team without telling his wife he bought it? Didn't yeah. I read like he just and came home and told her. And how, how do you make that type of purchase
8: without a? <laughs> you, got, you got to have a lot of money. How did that conversation did he, go? did he buy? Was it?
4: Is it Mint Mobile that he owns?
8: Yeah. And yeah, the thing is, he got brought in because he's the money. He has a, yeah. he has a, he has like a water company up in Canada as well. Yeah. But here's the thing: you walk in, and you say, "Blake, both of us are movie
4: stars. We'll cover it." Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Brooke, yes, David comes home and says, "Hey, about a soccer team, babe."
5: <laughs> oh God, no! <laughs> uh, you, he
4: didn't tell you beforehand.
5: Say, so where did that money come from? I don't know. I guess maybe like a like a little league soccer team. I don't know. <laughs> no, he does fine. He doesn't do Ryan Reynolds fine. I I can tell you that right now. I don't think he has that kind of expendable income.
4: Yeah. Okay. So that's pretty cool that Rexham is going to play here, and hopefully they'll beat LA Galaxy.
5: Cool. That is really cool. I haven't I haven't watched that. That it's on my watch list. I just finished watching Jury Duty, which I'm getting Fantastic, off subject. Wasn't it? Which that is such a good show. Yeah, they did a great job with that. I just like, and he became like such a likable person. Do you Mm -hmm. have you seen it? I have not seen it. So it's like one person who's not an actor is a part of like this jury. Yeah, part of this jury. Everybody else is actors, Mm -hmm. and they're all in on this. But they kind of like make him. They they said that they kind of make him out to be the hero. So in their kind of scripting, they do. For each situation, they call him like the hero,
4: hmm.
5: and so that he would become the hero. And he's just like this nice guy. Like he's a
4: Truman great. Show. What, what a really good guy. It
5: is a Truman. Yeah, it's it like is very much, show. Yeah, yeah. That great a movie. I love that movie.
4: <laughs> There's your Rush Hour reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, <laughs> we're going to talk to our friend Mike Clayborn Mike has some great memories of Mike Shannon. Of course, they were very close, and we'll talk about what the Cardinals need to do to hopefully turn things around. Next on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
2: to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN.
0: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
4: With Ripley Gripsley, Davis, Randy Carricker good to have you with us here on 101 ESPN. And we move to the celebrity line now. And Mike Claiborne joins us every Tuesday. It's great to have Claibs with us on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing?
3: I'm doing well. Um, interesting week
4: for sure but i'm doing well and mike an interesting week in large part because one of your great friends and a person who you were very close to mike shannon passed away on sunday and i know you have great memories of mike and i mentioned yesterday if ever there was a guy to celebrate the life of it was mike shannon right
3: oh, there's no doubt uh, you know I, i've I've already cried enough. Where I'm, I was nearly dehydrated at one point. But you know what? I, I had dinner with one of my one of my closest friends, Fast Eddie. Just he and I sat there and we were telling stories and laughing <laughs> to the point where we decided this is how we're gonna roll. We are going to celebrate him. Uh, we, there's too many good things about Mike Shannon and his life um, to carry to sit here and and mourn his loss. And I, I guess for me. The last time I saw him was the last day of the homestand. It was his first game at the ballpark this year. And I've got a picture with him, myself, um, Chip Carey, Brad Thompson, and Ricky Horton, and we, all the broadcasters. We just decided to go see him. And I will carry that picture for the rest of my life because it was the last – and he was – as they took the picture, he was saying something to me. And it was just it was just typical Mike. So – uh I'm 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 in a good I'm in a good space right now.
6: Claves, I've learned a lot about uh Mike Shannon in the last couple of days. What are some of the funny stories, uh, some of the Shannonism <laughs> that he's he's had over the years that you could share with us?
3: All right, so one of my favorites, so this is a few years ago and we we're going to Houston and he and I are gonna do the game together. And so he calls me. He says, "All right, big boy, what time do you want to go to the park?" I said, "Well, I'm gonna take the first bus." He, said, ah, you don't have to wait that long. I have to wait, go that early. I got a car. We can drive over the ballpark. And I was like, "Okay." So this is when push button ignitions had just come out. He had rented a car and he had a push bus, push button ignition. So it's like a hard, it's like Sahara Desert hot that day, right? So we 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 go out and he turns the air conditioner down to like about 12 degrees. So I mean, my nipples are like about to bust <laughs> the windshield. It's so cold there, right? Excuse me, Brooke. But anyway, my point being this: we get to the uh, we get to the ballpark, we do the game, and so afterwards, Tony La Russa says, "Hey, let's go to dinner." So, all right, let's go. So now, as we come out to the parking lot, you know, the, the lot's empty because we the last ones to leave. As the closer we got to the car. There was this big puddle of water. And I said, man, I didn't know it rained because, you know, they it, it had the roof over, closed. And so we get to the car, and there's a, like a cake of ice on the windshield. <laughs> and I realized he never turned
9: the car off. Oh, <laughs> and
3: so, God. And so we get in the car, Is Jim Jackson's with me. It's Jim's in the backseat. His teeth are chattering. It's getting so cold, all right? <laughs> So Mike says, all right, he says, can you believe this? And I'm like, okay, what what follows that? He said, look at, the, look at the gas gauge. This car didn't burn any gas at all. This car had been running for eight hours. It had been running for eight hours. And so now I'm saying to myself, okay, this is one of those stories. What happens on the road stays on the road. It'll just be the three of us who carry the story for the rest of our lives. So we go to dinner. It's Tony, his friends, Jay Randolph seniors is there. It's about 12 of us. And we're sitting there shooting the breeze and all of a sudden we come around to Mike and Mike says, "Oh, I got a story for you. And he tells this story again and everybody just is like dead silence for like about three seconds. And Jay Randolph Jr. just starts shaking his head and the room just erupted, including the waiters, the waiters <laughs> was sitting there. So that, that's one of many great Mike Shannon stories. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've lived through, you know, I've known Mike since 1981. And he's one of the first people that welcomed me to the business. And, and you know how he is, Randy. You you were around him. I mean, if you were on his team, you were on his team. Yep, yep. But we had so much fun. And like I said to somebody yesterday, um, other than my parents, he's had the most impact on my life. And I don't think there's a person on this planet I've laughed with more than him. Uh, laugh with and at him <laughs> about so many different things that have gone on and um, he, he's the most selfless person I've ever been around. Uh, he always made sure that it was about you instead of him. He had no ego when it came to, you know, recognition to the point where he told me before he passed, he said, look, I don't want any big, big circus funeral. So there probably won't be one. Uh, that's just how he was. He just wants to go off and just do his thing. And I'm sure right now he and Gibson and Tory and, I mean, not Toya. We don't want to get rid of <laughs> Thank Toya. You. Uh, mm-hmm. Dick Brode and, and all the other guys it's he McCarver. Played with. They're, McCarver. They're probably having the time of their lives. And You mentioned McCarver, Randy. One more quick story. So everybody's seen the picture of Bob Euchre with the tuba in 1964. And if you haven't, um, quick story. The, when the Cardinals were playing in the World Series in 64, there was a marching band that was going to play the national anthem. And they were on the field rehearsing. And they had to come off the field because batting practice was taking place. So, Euchre decided he was going to pick up a tuba and was out in the outfield, shagging balls, trying to catch balls with a tuba. (laughs) And and there's this this great picture. So, Mike and I are sitting in the booth one day. It was a Thursday afternoon. I'll never forget it. Milwaukee was in town. And Mike just, out of the blue, said, ah, I wish I could get me a tuba and have a euchre it. You remember that thing? So he goes into this store. I said, yeah, I know a story. About it. He said, I don't know where we can get a tuba from. I said, well, you know, there's a pawn shop down by the brewery. He gets on the phone, calls a pawn shop. Hey, you guys got a tuba? Yeah, as a matter of fact, we to bring it to the ballpark. So the hardest part was trying to get the tuba through security. <laughs> <laughs> the hard part. So now we get we get it up in the, in the, in the, in the booth. And he goes and tells Euchre and McCarver to come over to the booth. And they walk in, and there's Mike with this tube and says, sign this, big boy. <laughs> and the look on McCarver's face, was, uh, and I'll send you guys the picture, the look on McCarver's face when Mike's got this tube in his hand and Euchre's just like spellbound. He doesn't know what to say. I mean, that's the thing. That's that's who he was. He was so spontaneous. He never brought a briefcase or notes to the ballpark. He'd read, he was a voracious reader. But he was, and he was a detailed guy about spelling and punctuation. Hmm. He would go through game notes and ah, oh, we got to do. He put a comma here, this or that, or he would rewrite it. He, he was a very detailed person who was very unorganized when it came to other things.
4: Hey, Claves, uh, I'm going to give you the choice of two things here. You, you can do either his buddy Jimmy, or you can tell us a story about Big Julie.
7: <laughs> oh oh. So, so
3: so all right here here here's a great story about big Julie, so big Julie was let's just put it this way he was connected, if you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, so, the name tells so one us. night so one night I mean he he basically controlled the trucking union in in New York, so one night he and Mike, Mike and Bob, they go to dinner. And so Mike and Bob are standing out waiting on the valet to bring the car around, and they can't find Big Julie. And so they're standing there, and, and the car comes out, and then Julie's nowhere to be found. And then all of a sudden the door quietly opens. He peeks around the corner and says, what are you doing? He said, well, I just wanted to make sure the car started okay. He he didn't, <laughs> <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't know if was gonna, somebody put a bomb under it or not. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of guy he was. Uh, that's the kind of guy Big Julie was. And, and, and once you got to meet him, the nicest man you'll ever meet. And I guess when you have that kind of juice, why not be a nice yeah, guy? Right. Exactly. But, but I'll never forget that story. They were standing outside looking for Big Julie, and Big Julie just wanted to make sure the car started <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> uh,
4: I'm glad that we didn't have to talk about this 2-8 road trip. What's going on? Well, now? you know
3: what? That, that's the great thing about Mike Shannon. He decided to check out the hotel knowing that he, if we had to talk about the Cardinals, that would not be something he'd like. So that's why he decided to check out the hotel when he did.
4: That's perfect. Hey, what's going on at Claims Online?
3: Well, you have to read the commission's piece on uh, Mike Shannon. Now, I, I think the commission, Mike, have known each other since day one. Uh, of the commission coming into the business. So you have to read that. Uh, Joe Roger and I are going to do our piece in tribute to Mike uh, probably tomorrow. And uh, you've got Rammer and Rockio talking to NBA in the, in the two-man game. Dr. Rick Lehman's got an incredible podcast coming up. I believe it drops on Thursday that you definitely want to listen to. So between all of that stuff, uh, and we may even get, have Everett Fitzhugh, uh, the voice of the Seattle Kraken, the first African-American to call Stanley Cup playoff hockey. Uh, Everett Fitzhugh, we're going to visit with him later in the week as well as the Kraken have moved on. And I'm so happy for the Kraken because they eliminated Stan Kroenke's team. Thank you very there much. Go. Let's go Suns. Let's go yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I hear we got an anti-Sun guy in the room. Yeah. May it rain all over you, and it, it will. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> the the, the, uh, the Suns will will come back and, and blow out Denver because Denver has too many soft pieces on, on the checkerboard. There you go.
4: Claves, good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate reminiscing, and we'll check everything out at clavesonline.com.
3: And, and this time next week, we'll be talking about a Cardinal win streak. All right. I like to hear that. Yeah. Right. after they right, played so. Detroit. Good. All right, gang. Good talking to you guys. <laughs> Have <That laughs> a great week. Mike
4: Take Claiborne care. with us. You too. Um, 101 ESPN coming up next. We're going to talk to our old friend, Erica Weston. She is now with the angels broadcasts. She's back in town and she's next on 101 ESPN.
2: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi wild cherry. Pepsi wild cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether
4: it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge
2: in their wild side with Pepsi wild cherry also available in zero sugar. So grab a Pepsi wild cherry and get wild. You're back to the opening drive podcast on one Oh one ESPN
0: presented by Dobbs tire and auto centers.
4: With Brooke Grimsley and Carrie Davis, I'm Randy Carriker. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You remember Erica Weston from covering the Cardinals on Fox Sports Midwest slash Valley Sports Midwest. And now Erica covers the Angels for Bally Sports West. And she is in town as the Angels visit the Cardinals. And it's great to have Erica with us on 101 ESPN. Erica Weston, good morning. How are you?
10: Hi, Randy. Hello, my friends. Long time, no talk. Good to be back with you.
4: It's good to be back with you, and I, I keep an eye on you. I'm, I'm always watching what's going on with the Angels, and it, congratulations on the great work that you're doing.
10: Thank you so much, Randy. Living the dream every day, and I got to say, it's pretty cool that my job has allowed me to come back to town so quickly, uh, you know, back to the old haunts. I had a nice off day here in the city yesterday, so able to catch up with some buddies, some besties, and uh, ready for a great series against the Cards.
5: Well, Erica, I'm sure you never get tired of talking about him, but Shohei Otani has just been spectacular to watch. And I know that, of course, you never want to root for the other team, but it's just exciting seeing a player like him. I mean, he feels like once in a generation kind of type of talent, and he's paced the Angels offense in April with 18 RBIs and seven homers, including a sky high 413 foot blast this past Sunday. What can you say about him and his performance and what he's even like as a person?
10: It's unreal, and I i was listening to you guys uh, a few segments ago talking about we're probably going to witness something we've never seen before. There's no doubt pitching tomorrow you very well could see something you've never seen before. That's basically what it's like covering Shohei Otani every day. Um, as a person, though, he's just a big jokester. He's kind of just like a really big kid, and I think we all saw – Glimpses of, of his personality in the WBC um, with, you know, Lars getting that personality to come out in him. But the guy is absolutely driven by baseball, breathes, eats, sleeps the game of baseball. He was off to a historic start through his first five starts of the season ERA under one had a bizarre inning his last start against the A's and then continued to just dominate once he got everything sorted out and then nearly hit for the cycle in that exact same (laughs) game missed a home run by you know inches flying out at the warning track but it's unbelievable we had a series with the Yankees a week and a half ago in New York uh, and the amount of media coverage it's basically like a World Series game in New York when Shohei comes to town. It literally, the circus was coming to town because everybody wants to get a glimpse of Shohei. I have to remind myself every single day that this is not normal what we're seeing and we may never see it ever again. Um, So I know how much uh, Cardinals fans respect the game of baseball and I know how much they are eagerly anticipating seeing a pitch tomorrow. So it's going to be pretty cool.
5: Also, I saw that the team has like a really cool home run celebration with the it's like a samurai hat or something the like Kabuto. that. Yes, yeah, yeah. Japanese, so Japanese warrior helmet. Yeah. Did did Shohei did he bring that over or how did that come about? Cuz that's just a, <laughs> such a cool home run celebration.
10: It's really cool and last year things kind of got away from him with the home run celebration. It was supposed to be themed based on the cities we were going to and we had a Texas road trip for first step out. So They went with a cowboy hat, and it was such a random hit that they kept with it. So they had to do something bigger and better this year. It was Shohei's idea. Apparently, these Kabudos are custom-made from Japan. They're heavy, too. They weigh about four pounds. They're enormous. So I think only really Hunter Renfro with a big head is the only one that actually legitimately fits. <laughs> but it's really, really cool. And it takes a long time to actually get these made. And they said, hey, it's actually for Shohei Otani. So then they overnighted it, and it was in Anaheim in no time. So, um, yeah, that's the Shohei effect. It's really, really cool to see the guys buying into that it's a it's a pretty special one
6: erica next summer seems to be a pretty uh big time for for the angels and and Shohei. are they how is the feeling about him being resigned and going into this free agency period are angels fans nervous is (laughs) there calm or or what's the feeling out there
10: i don't think there really is much thought about it because we're all just kind of trying to take it in right now i think the mentality is win now and the rest will take care of itself and there are so many writers media personalities what have you on the national stage that say Shohei's most likely to land here i can see him going to the dodgers all of those things and it really i really think that those are all opinion based i don't think even shohei knows what he's going to do uh, the the number one thing on his list was i want to win so the Angels come into the series today, one game above five hundred. They have had great moments to start of, in the month of April. They've had games where you kind of go, hmm, that's probably not going to work the rest of the way. So if the Angels win this season with Shohei, that will take care of itself. But we have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. And Shohei has earned the right to enter free agency, just like his agent said. So it will certainly be interesting to see some of these historic offers that he will no doubt be fielding. Um, but again, it all just kind of remains to be seen. But keep the Angels competitive this year, and we're not going to worry about it.
6: Also, I want to know how the Angels fans are in comparison. I know there has to be a level of frustration when you have two superstars like Shohei and, and Trout, and there's not the winning associated with it. How frustrated are the fans about that?
10: I think more frustrated than normal coming into this year because of the pieces they acquired during the offseason to solidify the depth. That was their big Achilles heel last year. The first six weeks of the season, everybody thought, oh, my gosh, this is it. The Angels finally, you know, ending the playoff drought. We're going to make a deep run in the postseason. And then the injuries absolutely derailed the season. We went through a 14-game losing streak last year. I still don't know how we all survived that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it was it was not a lot of fun. So um, there is so much frustration to go along with anticipation and eagerness to get Mike Trout and Shohei On the big stage this year, more so than ever, not just because of what's happened in the past, but because you have solidified the depth. When you had all those guys go out, We're basically fielding a minor league team out there. No disrespect to those guys, but they weren't big league everyday players. They're role players, right? They should be coming in off the bench, and once you put them in an everyday role, some of those weaknesses get exposed. This season, they have a lot more capabilities when they're dealing with some injuries. Guys are going to miss time. We're already without our catcher, who could have been a rookie of the year candidate. He's out for the year with a torn labrum had surgery a week ago. So the depth is already being challenged in that aspect, but we're still without one of our key pieces. And Jared Walsh, who has yet to play a game for the season, he's been dealing with some health issues, uh, some headaches, insomnia. So he's going to be back hopefully any day now. And that's basically like a giant free agent acquisition. So while again, Only coming into the series a game over five hundred. there's still a lot of optimism for the way that they have played. Look forward the rest of the way. But no doubt, frustration. Everybody wants to see them in October.
4: Our friend Erica Weston now covers the Angels for Valley Sports West. Okay, as cool as it is to cover Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, and and, uh, you've actually done analysis for the Angels, but does anything beat going down the slide in Milwaukee the other day?
10: (laughs) I can't believe you brought that up. That was hysterical. Um, my, I had a text from somebody who said my scream going down the slide woke up their dog. And I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I, it's crazy that I actually never did the slide in the trips that I made when I was going up there with the Cardinals. I'm not going to lie. My hands were legitimately shaking after the first time I went down the slide. And they're like, you have to go back up again. We have to get the camera angle from when you come out the bottom. Like, oh, God, are killing, killing me. That thing is way high up there. There, Randy. I don't know if you ever got a chance to experience it. The ladder to get up there is literally straight up. And then the worst part about it was, yeah, I couldn't contain the scream. I was freaking <laughs> out, especially because of what happened to David Vasse last year, turned into Humpy Dumpy at the bottom of the steps. <laughs> yeah, right,
7: uh, right, right,
10: right. So I get into the clubhouse so the players and coaches are like, hey, we heard you screaming from the outfield. Like that was definitely not my finest moment, but it was hysterical. I'm just glad that nobody got hurt.
5: Well, Erica, I know that you said that you had an off day yesterday and you'll be back around, you know, everything Bush Stadium and Cardinals today. Have you kept up with how the Cardinals have been doing? Are you kind of surprised by the start that they're off to?
10: I absolutely keep up with what they're doing and I'm very surprised and I kind of don't really know how to describe it. And I was actually in, uh, I was in the Angels Clubhouse the other day in Milwaukee we were all just kind of chit-chatting about our next step, and some people were mentioning, "Hey, you got to go back to your old stomping grounds." And we were all talking about the struggles with the team and how shocking and surprising it is because mm-hmm. everybody expects the Cardinals to always be a perennial playoff team. And even Mike Trout chimed in on the conversation, and he was like, "It's April, you guys need to calm down. We got a long ways to go." So while you know history is not exactly on their side as far as teams that have this record and to be able to make the postseason in the playoffs. You know, I'm not ever going to count the Cardinals out. It's really interesting being on the outside now, looking in to see how people view the Cardinals. And it's always a team that gets massive respect from the other the other teams, the other coverage, the other posts, if you will. So um, while it's shocking, there's so much talent there. I'm hopeful and optimistic that they'll turn it around because I'm certainly rooting for all of my old buddies and all the success in the the future. So, yeah, everybody's pretty surprised. But, again, nobody wins a pennant in April. we got a long ways to go.
4: Okay, Erica Weston, one last thing. Carrie Davis sitting next to me is an avowed Golden State Warriors fan. You are a former Laker girl and a huge Lakers fan. (laughs) You get the last word here for Carrie Davis. (laughs) What's the word? As the Lakers get ready to take on the Warriors, if you want to trash talk, you can do it. <laughs>
10: I'm not going to trash talk them because I'm kind of coming in, you know, with my, my, uh, my tail between my legs as a Lakers fan. I really don't know what to expect, you know. Like, I know they made all these great – you know, off season or not off season, like mid season acquisitions. So I'm not going to trash him because when you're going up against Steph <laughs> and Clay, like absolutely not. No, thank you. I am not going to put myself in that. <laughs> point thank
7: out. you,
6: Erica. Thank you, Eric. We
4: greatly appreciate yeah. that around these parts. <laughs> <laughs> it is great to hear your voice. Great to have you back in town. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to catch up uh, down at the ballpark during the course of the week.
10: Love to be back with you guys. Thanks for the time.
4: Thanks, Erica. Take care. Erica Weston, she covers the Angels on Valley Sports West with us on 101 ESPN. As we head down the stretch here, we've got a little edition of Rock and Roll coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back
2: to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
0: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: Let's rock. Let's rock today.
4: Bayou Hockey is the most gut wretched thing in the world to watch. It sucks. Game sevens are the worst. Physically,
1: got it to Bowmeester. Shoots one. Scar! Bowmeester! Schwartz able to take it. (laughs)
4: Game do <laughs> You know, I, I felt bad though for Brad Barshon skating off the ace, uh, the ice early, before Petro scored that goal. I just uh, it was just really, I, you, I'm sure, a rough time for him. You felt bad for
6: him the other day too, right?
4: Oh yeah, when he really? cried again. <laughs>
7: <laughs> mm, he has fella. a good cry Can we
6: face. Uh, can we talk about what just happened here a few minutes ago? If you'd like, yes, sir. So what we didn't know and our wonderful sales staff, our uh, bosses, John Kioski and Tommy Mattern all came into the room and the sales staff and they wanted to wish one Randy Carricker a happy 40th anniversary on this day 40 years ago, you began radio and you remember that because what took place? John Elway got traded from the Baltimore <laughs> Colts to the Denver Broncos you
4: remember, well, so here, I, can, I can tell you why I remember because I remember walking into that little tiny sports office at KMOX on may 2nd of 1983 and lisa Bedian was a full-time producer she's at lindenwood now and i would not be here today if it were not for lisa Bedian. thank but you lisa yeah she was great so she s- just says to me okay i'm gonna go produce sports open line you sit here and if the red phone rings you just say kmox sports so there was the red phone was the phone where every, it didn't ring for the first two hours about 8 30 45 we, we've got this AP ticker thing. The Baltimore Colts have traded John Elway to the Denver Broncos. And here I am, very first night in pro radio. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But she says, okay, use that phone, the red phone. And she gives me books to call people. And I'm, so ESPN's in its infancy, mm-hmm. all right? There is no sports talk radio. That didn't start until four years later. The only people there was, USA Today was in its infancy. So I'm calling the general manager of the Broncos, general manager of the Colts, and I'm getting in touch with these people. And she's letting me do interviews and she's letting me, uh, edit the tape, and write scripts for Bill Wilkerson in the morning. My very first night in pro radio, and she's let me do stuff. That's awesome. And so I'll never forget that night. And that was uh, Lisa and then Bill Connerly also at KMOX they let me do so much hands-on stuff, that's why I let people like Danny Mack and Chris Kerber and Greg Amzinger and uh, Scott Warman, the people that I worked with that were interns of mine, I wanted them to be hands-on right away because the only way you can really learn is to get experience, and I wanted them to get experience. So, uh, 40 years ago, though, it doesn't seem that long, but I am old.
6: I wanna say congratulations to you for all you have done in radio, first time you and I worked together was actually on Charter um, TV, doing yeah. doing high school football games many, many years ago. And so you have always been a fantastic mentor, a fantastic person, even better person than radio person. I will, I will. For those that don't know, I'm not just saying that. I know you don't like a lot of, you know, yeah, but this is your moment. We are thankful to have you here. We love you. We appreciate you. And we expect another 40 years, big boy. Well,
4: I, I appreciate that. I don't know i don't know if i get to 50. i don't know if i get to 50. but no i'm i'm fortunate i i have some great friends that uh that listen every day people that i've known for more than 40 years who uh who remember the date uh, i really had not thought about it today but I, I do appreciate and love uh the the people that are involved with making this happen and there's uh there there are a couple in, in particular that uh just reminded folks here and i i'm Ever appreciative and will love them forever. Awesome.
5: Yeah, I mean, so many people whenever I meet them now that I've started this job, the first thing they ask is, "How's Randy? How is is he just is he just <laughs> as amazing as you as you would think it I say a hundred percent because it's because of you, Randy, that I'm even in this job right now, and I'm eternally grateful for you for that because you've been as. Carrie said a great mentor as soon as I came here to St. Louis I gravitated towards you because you do such a good job and you're the whole reason that even I'm here CD now too and it's just
4: incredible it's awesome working with you guys thank you very much and Matthew, even though you like Stan Kroenke, yeah, you know. I, I, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to try to age you up too much, like the like the no, fighter, like the
8: fighter one did yesterday, who had a kid in the car and said, "I've listened to you since I was a kid." Mm-hmm. But I remember actually driving down 270 on my way to high school, the very first time 101 ESPN broadcasted, and I remember driving home from school and hearing you on the air in the drive time show. Um, it, God, I would have been like a sophomore or something like that in mm-hmm. high school. And so I was not, didn't want to be a sports radio person when I started high school. By the end of it, though, listening to a lot of people in St. Louis, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And you were one of the reasons for that. And so thank, thank you very much thank for that. Thank
4: you very much. Uh, we're going to give away, and this is something that I haven't done a lot in 40 years of radio, give away Thomas Rhett concert, t- <laughs> concert tickets. Thomas mm-hmm. Rhett concert tickets coming up. What date yeah. do you got there, Randy? He is going to be in town on May 20th. You might uh, need to work on that yeah, Southern accent uh, <laughs> CD. Okay. Darn it. Uh, here, it's, uh, okay, so, uh, Brooke, if, if we can just yeah, pass it to Brooke. Do. And please do. There was, you go. In your best Southern
6: yeah. twang you got yeah. for us.
5: Uh-huh. All right, y'all, we got a Thomas Rhett ticket giveaway. 101 ESPN has your chance to score free tickets to see Thomas Rhett with special guest Cole Swindell on Saturday, May 20th, over at the Enterprise Center. Now, you need to get on down there and get your yeehaw on over at Enterprise Center. Tickets are on sale now, or you can text in to win Thomas Rhett tickets.
7: Oh, like how
5: that? do you say over? Oh, over, over? Over on? on down there?
4: over on down there, oh, so on, on, on there. Matthew. <laughs> you you aren't going to beat it. Do you have a question for us though?
8: <laughs> it's yeah. It, it's a simple. It's a simple question. Who? Uh, what sports event was Randy Character covering his first day forty years ago today? Oh. There you Ooh. go. There it is what sports like event was, Carri- was Randy Carriker, uh covering forty years ago when he started in radio? And before we go, Randy, I wanted. To, I had one little montage uh, that I wanted to put together for our friends over in Boston, uh, and I just wanted oh, to play for you
2: Frank, what's up, man?
3: Yeah, so you know the, the the regular season record that that was great, but it's it's almost similar to the 2007 Patriots.
9: Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli
2: Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the
8: field. It is caught by Tyree. I just love everything about Boston people being sad. They they're really <laughs> going through it the last 24 hours. Oh, you okay, got
6: the gotta... Bruins game seven. You got. Uh, game one, Philadelphia beating them in, uh,
8: in in Boston. And just the ultimate Boston reaction. You know what, John? Screw them. Because that core group of veterans are all losers. When adversity hits, they quit. And that's what pisses me off so much. They ran into a wall. They ran into a team that wasn't afraid of the big, bad Bruins. And the Florida Panthers came out and punched them in the face. They lose game one, 6-2. They don't care. <laughs> you hey, don't, don't care, care. <laughs> Do you guys want to hear, hear more From the spitfire Oh and one more thing guys One more thing before you hang up Sure man Here we go Your Boston Celtics Have
4: the same pedigree So you better not be Overlooking Philly. Because if you are The worst thing that's Going to happen is we're going to be watching Boston Red Sox baseball real early. Oh, <laughs> I was, I was, <laughs> was, please, listen, Mike, no. I am not. I'm
1: not over 500 gonna... again. Oh, uh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs>
7: <laughs> They're falling apart in Boston. Yeah, yeah.
4: Oh, I love it. They, that, that's a good thing. That's, that's that is that mm-hmm. is good Good sound. That's a good way to <laughs> end just the see show. some clam really chowder, and they'll be fine. Uh, uh, that's our producer-engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocky. Pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Brooke, this has been fun. Thank you.
5: Yeehaw! Congratulations oh on your 40th anniversary, oh Randy.
4: <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Thomas rett and Cole Swindell. Cole uh, Swindell. CD. <laughs> hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Uh, Tomorrow, by the way, it's a very quick hump day, so get your Ask Uncle Randy's ready. And for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. That's right.
2: You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN.
0: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.